I love the PC version of these games because there's always this community of modders that do some things. I've never thought I'd see SpongeBob SquarePants fight in Dragon Ball Z universe, but I have. He's pretty good. Yeah, that fight's canon, right? What, SpongeBob SquarePants? Yeah. Really? What what episode? Universe twelve. There's a SpongeBob in Universe Twelve? No, there's not. Of course there is. It's Universe Twelve. It's the underwater one that's obviously a full of ripoffs of other shows. What? It's an homage from the anime world to other forms of cartoons. Like they're all kind of like off brand, but you can tell what they are. You got fucking SpongeBob there, you got Squidward, but it's he's called Tentacle Guy there or something like that. Uh what else what else is in there? I think like like Rocco was there from Rocco's Modern Life was called like Rock On or something. I'm looking here and I don't. Any Wait, did you actually thing. believe me just now? Yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Wicked Podcast, the official podcast of Something Wicked Studios. YouTube channel and Twitch channel that don't currently put things up because of reasons that are totally legit, not just me procrastinating. But yes, as always, I am Charlie, aka Mordak, and these days I'm joined by Alex, aka Mave Online. We're still on the quest for our third, or maybe we aren't. I don't know what we're up to right now. We're up to things. It's episode 103, I think. I hope I didn't just mess everything up. Yep, 103. Cover for me, Alex. <laughs> You asked 103, and I am, of course, Mave Online. Uh, I said that already. Yes, but we're looking at our, we are on a quest for the third, I think, would be good, because we need a tiebreaker. Like, there always has to be a tiebreaker. Otherwise, we're always just going to be, like, at the end of an argument or discussion, just in the middle, every time. It's not going to work out. Fair. So we need, we need a third. Um, as you guys know, Jeff, uh, Jeff isn't on the podcast. We're not anymore. rehashing this. If they listen to the podcast, they know it's time to move on, Alex. No, man, I haven't moved on. This is therapy for me, okay? I still can't get over the Jeff, get over the fact that Jeff is gone. All right? Be an it adult, hurts. contact your health provider, find a therapist, and go cry to them instead of the listeners. I don't have insurance. It will cost me just to talk to someone. Don't you work for the government? I do, I do have insurance. But does it work for this bit, Charlie, if I say I have health insurance? So you're a liar who won't seek help. This is the way I'm acting out because Jeff isn't here. You got at least two more episodes. You got to give at least five episodes before I move on. It's like breaking up with someone. The The mourning period <laughs> should last roughly as long as half the relationship did. Yeah, that's so fair. Like episode 125 or something, you'll be good. Yeah. So what, after that, I'll find someone else, our third, preferably, and then I'll, I would have moved on to that point. But until then, I am in mourning. It's picturing like a speed dating event. Hey, you want to be on a podcast? <laughs> You like talking about video games and stuff? Yeah, I bet you do. I bet you do. Oh, you don't? Okay, fine, whatever. You Next fucking person. like video games? Yeah. Fuck yeah. At the sound of the bell, move one podcast host to your left. <laughs> so you like video games? I run a cooking podcast. That could work. <laughs> that could work. We talk about food every once in a while. Perfect. What's a video game? Get out. <laughs> you mean, yeah. Oh. You get two more episodes before I start editing that bullshit out. You get two more episodes of a morning period before I find this bit to be... Fair enough. Five, five is my goal, and we're at three, so yep. I've got two more, and I'm good with that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So, uh, for those of you who ha who, uh, who are still tuned in, besides the fact that I've, I'm rehashing an old bit that's going to go way too long uh, than needed, 
Uh, yeah, we, we're a podcast. We talk about video games and sometimes we discuss other stuff. So, are you just re-introing the podcast because you didn't find my intro satisfactory? No, I like your intro. Remember, my intros are never great because I'm inadequate. Oh, uh, pulling up an old reference. Inferior. Inferior. That's right. See, I you can't know, even remember the right word. Inferior. You know what you were. <laughs> if I was furier. <laughs> oh, that's awfully close to something else I don't want to be. Impotent. But yeah. No. <laughs> this stuff I don't want to be. Fair enough. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I guess uh, you want to go first and tell us about uh, your week. Sure. You've got an interesting update. I look forward to hearing about. Well, so I I learned I like playing. I I like building Labo more than I actually like using Labo. Yeah. How I I don't think the I didn't know. Is it out already? The it's Labo? out. It came out. It it, it came out. Yeah, last week, the same day God of War did, and. When you ask me, um, hey, Charlie, which one are you going to play? The answer is God of War. Because uh-huh. God of War is it speaks to me. I, the Labo stuff is interesting. And people are doing some cool-ass shit with it. I will not be one of those people. I, Like I said, I genuinely enjoy building the Labo stuff more than I enjoy actually utilizing it. Because when you're utilizing it, it feels like, well... Lamer ass peripheral games that if you're a kid, I'm sure are super cool, but as an adult, you're like, I could just go fishing. Mm-hmm. I don't need to pretend to fish, actually. I could just go fishing. Or in my case, I could just go ride my motorcycle. I own a motorcycle. I don't need to pretend to ride a motorcycle. Yeah. But no, it's okay. So the way it works, I, kind of, I hinted at this last week and didn't really get into it because I wasn't totally sure. Uh, the game. Uh, the Labo box comes with all the cardboard you need, kind of a nicely labeled, colorful sheets, and a Nintendo Switch cartridge that's mm-hmm. just like an instruction booklet. There's no physical instruction booklet, and holy hell do I wish there was. Because working your way through that game, and as a result through the instructions, takes for fucking ever. Like, they should take a page from the Lego people and say, maybe we can do more than one step for instruction. And, like, to be fair, the instructions say, like, hey, this will take a while or whatever. Like, maybe you should take a break at this point. I have not built my robot yet because that thing's, like, yeah, this will take, like, three or four hours to do. Jeez. Yeah, I, and that's not that, like, it's not that hard. Like, I've now built enough of the Labo stuff I can predict. Like, there's a 50-50 chance that you just handed me a Labo sheet and all the parts. I could build the Labo stuff just into it, just kind of intuitively on how I kind of think it might snap together. But if I were to follow step-by-step instructions... It would take me like three times as long because every step has like a five second, like sorry, sorry, so back up. So the way the step, the way the instructions work is it's on your switch and you can kind of like pan around and zoom. Like that part's cool because you got a three D model of the piece of paper you're using and you can manipulate it and you can like scroll backwards and forwards on a little video that shows how you're supposed to fold it. And the issue is mm-hmm. when it's done folding, it waits for five seconds. So I'll be generous and say. Every step takes 10 seconds from start to finish if you don't stop at any point. That's in the video, not you physically doing it, especially because often those steps are fold this piece, 10 seconds, fold this piece, 10 seconds, fold this piece, 10 seconds. Like, it's maddening how long it takes where occasionally I just look at it and go, fold, 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 fold. Oh, that's how it goes together. Done. And I, I get it, not everyone's as mechanically or kinesthetically or whatever the right adjectively word is for this, at this stuff. Like, I kind of do this stuff for a living. Like, I made a joke to my boss about how 
the Labo stuff looks weirdly like what I've been making for work lately. So it like I, I'm good at IKEA. Like use that as a marker, I guess. But it's kind of cool because you start off with paper. Like I've always enjoyed the paper craft stuff, but never like had enough effort to figure it out myself. This is kind of like oh, it's model building, but with paper, it's quick and easy. And it's kind of like those fucking snap together Gundam models. I think are some of the coolest things ever made for like a toy for a TV show or a movie thing ever because it's like, hey, it's Legos, but at the end you have a sick ass Gundam. And Labo is fun in that regard. I, it's not for me. Like it's very peripherally and kind of cutesy funness, which I don't begrudge anyone who's into that. It's like, it's a really cool idea that I don't know. It's none of the games appeal to me because they're just not my kind of games. Like it's if you like playing rhythm games. That piano game is pretty solid. I, the fishing game is fine. I had more fun building the fishing rod, though, than I had playing the fishing game. And, like, to a point, that fishing rod does some cool shit. Like, it's got, they have, like, a physical noisemaker in it. That's, maybe that's the coolest part. The Labo pet cardboard stuff is very kind of sexily designed. They do some cool stuff in it where it's like, oh, that's a neat idea. That's cool you thought of that. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, it's, it's definitely not for me. It's, I'm not even sure who it's for because this shit's kind of expensive and I'm not sure a kid would have the attention span to build half of this stuff because it fucking takes time. Well, yeah, I imagine that, it, that you have to try to get your money's worth, not necessarily off the cardboard stuff and stuff, but through time and effort put into it. So I can imagine it takes a while to build. Well, so that's the issue. There's really not a lot of effort put in. It's just time. And that's because the game moves on so slowly. It's like, yeah, keep going through these auctions, uh, these uh, these instructions. Like, it, there are better ways to do those instructions. Like, the fact that I got most of the way through something before I said, oh, hey, there's a fast-forward button, I'm like, that would have been so fucking useful to know about. And even the fast-forward button is too fucking slow. It's neat, though. I I have learned I am too tall for the robot. Oh, you're too tall? Is it, like, ridiculously small? Like, it's really kid-sized kind of thing? It's... It'll fit you, I think. Um, I got the impression if you're above 5'8", then it becomes real problematic. And, like, not problematic problematic, but, like, there's not enough string. So you're going to have to kind of jury-rig some string together to make it longer for you or something. Gotcha. Which, not a real problem, but, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'd like to see some of it. So what happens when you run out of cardboard, cardboard now that I think about it? Well, you, you play the games. Like, there are games on the, the, the game... The game cartridge comes with games that go along with the Labos. Like, it's the, they're often just kind of unique and fancy ways to hold your Switch or your Joy-Cons to interact with stuff. It's it's not bad. But, like, I figured part of the game itself was mainly building, like, oh, no, a you, you are chunk of it. Maybe that's, maybe that's your confusion. So, you are building peripherals. Like these are DIY peripherals, kind of, and they go to specific games built into the Labo system. So, you're building your own peripherals to use for their games that are built in the first place. I feel like this is just their experiment, like that one game was, the 1-2 Switch game, where it's just like, we're just kind of testing some stuff. Yeah, it's it's kind of in the same vein, except the games for this are better. Oh, are they actually better? Like, they're actually decent? Yeah, like, they, they are acceptable. Like, um, you ever, uh, you're, you know the Lego Mindstorm things? Yes. They're kind of like that, where I guess, like, I have not played around with it, but you there's like a visual coding language built into the Labo stuff that you can, like, 
do stuff with the various labos with and shit. I, I, I've barely scratched the surface. And like I said, I only have fun with this thing when I'm building it. The games are super not for me, but I could imagine for a kid they could be kind of cool. Yeah. See, I, that that opens up something for me entirely because I had no idea that there were more like there was more stuff involved in it. I thought it was you built. The oh stuff, yeah, no, it, it, this, and you just fuck around with it at that point, and it's yours. Like from an yeah. answering a question of what the fuck do you do with peripherals and or how do you get people to care about peripherals in a post-rock band world? They're a yeah. pretty neat idea because, like, if you could sell, you can technically print replacement sheets of this, and I have a laser cutter, which means I could just print replacement cardboard Labo parts if I wanted. See, that's funny because that was going to be my next question. Is like, what happens if you break your costume or something? Like The cardboard is pretty durable, and don't get me wrong, they sell official labo tape to make repairs and make stuff more secure or whatever i that part i have some issues with but it's whatever kind of thing it's it's cosmetic dlc in the real world you know yeah, about that camo <laughs> tape it's exactly what that is like yeah. what do you, can you even call it dlc because you're not technically downloading anything it's an add-on then sorry i, I thought calling it real world uh, da- downloadable content would be funny i don't know it, it is i'm just trying to think like what would you actually call it though just because it's it, labo branded tape like that's what you call it like it's just part of the labo system it's uh-huh. it's tape specifically designed for labo so it's got like four one of four or five like pre-approved by nintendo color schemes that like are you edgy or do you want the cat tape <laughs> yeah I, the labo stuff is interesting it's a neat idea but i don't know huh. yeah I would love to see some sort of, like, I, I really personally would love to see if they end up pushing out certain upgrades later on where they use the Labo stuff you have in other games. Like, it's like as an optional peripheral. If they ever make, so that has been a question going around, and I think if they ever make a Animal Crossing game for the Switch, they're going to. Really? What? Like, that seems like such a natural integration to me. Yeah, because it makes sense. It's not too over the top. Well, especially because like that game has always had like guitars and pianos and other like interactive stuff in the game that you could never interact with before. But now it's like, oh hey, do you have the guitar set up for Labo? You can actually play the guitar or play like a rhythm game in Animal Crossing using the Labo. Like it's, it's an extra layer of immersion at that point. See, if they do something like that, that would be great. Yeah. Because the Labo's just kind of been a weird, like, don't get me wrong, Nintendo has always been a little bit out of the box when it comes I, to some stuff. And I, I honestly that. think you're making this out to be a little more complicated than it is. Like, it, think of it as, like, I bought Rock Band and it came with a guitar. I bought the Labo games, which are, like, a, mo- a motorcycle game, a fishing game, a piano game, and, like, a weird funhouse thing. Ever play oh. WarioWare? No. Okay, so it's it's like a mini game collection almost, and okay, so it's Mario Party. You played Mario Party, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But Mario Party came with a party box full of a bunch of dumb bullshit that you use to play the games in Mario Party, as opposed to like smashing a like a Neanderthal. Really, I don't remember that for Mario Party. No, no, that's what I'm saying. Like it's 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 all mini game collections. And like, but it's it's like if they came with special controllers for all those mini games. Oh, gotcha. Okay, see, when you put it like that, it makes a little. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Okay, I, I I was, yeah, I I to be honest, I was a little confused on like the whole 
Labo thing, but okay. When you put it like that in terms of the rock star or the rock band uh, peripherals yeah. and whatnot, it, gives, it makes a little more sense. Okay. I, now I'm curious what they're going to do with it then I, like in the future. I think they'll see how it sells. I heard that like you could buy it in stores, which is great. Uh, it's there was a weird group of people on the internet that were like super mad about this. It's like, what is this kitty bullshit? And yeah, I, I get where they're coming from, but also like it's like fuck you. You know Nintendo, whatever. Like this like I initially thought this was dumb. I still think it's kinda dumb, but also it's like, nah, the building them's fun at least. I can get into that. Like mm. if you send me your labo pieces of paper and like twenty dollars, I'll build the labo things for you because I like shit like that. Don't want to play the games, but... <laughs> but I'll sure shit build the peripherals yeah. for you. Oh, no, I was that kid that was like, that, that was the, like, oh, you have those Legos? Cool, we're going to do the Legos next. Nothing. The Legos are built. Maybe I will take them apart later, but why would I ruin the wonderful build job I did for the time being? It is built. Yeah, I would have broken down and tried to make something else. I'd get there eventually, too, because I'm like, I got enough parts, I'm like, okay, let's build a bigger Star Destroyer or whatever. But <laughs> Legos were always about the process of building, the snapping stuff together, the, like, starting off with a pile of bullshit and ending with, hey, it's a thing, which, to be fair, is, like, kind of my job professionally where it, it's just, hey, we need a thing. Okay, here are the parts you need to make that. Neat. Here's how you fabricate them, et cetera, et cetera. It is, I will say, though, it is, it is kind of a cool, like, little nifty, thing to have just because it really it'll help uh, especially for young kids and like developing that like idea of what is it I'm trying to look for like just building yeah that thing. no yeah it's yeah really it's really good for that it's very cool in that kind of child developmental like kinesthetic you're in there you're building it like because you put the piano together you understand how the piano sensor system works which is cool mm-hmm. and if something breaks you can problem shoot it then i yeah. don't know it, it's neat. It's not for me, but if you were on the fence and you have a kid, maybe go check it out. If you if you're into if if you enjoy the process of building like Legos and snap together models or just models in general or whatever, probably is up your alley too. It's it, it's not bad. I, I thought this was gonna be some real dumb bullshit, and it's not. It's perfectly it's it's perfectly fine, bordering on like kind of cool. Yeah, it's good even. Well, if if you're more on the side of you don't want to build stuff, but you still want a, a game that has family themes. I heard God of War is pretty good. God of War is still real fucking good. <laughs> I need to find like a fucking support group where I can go in and talk to other people about God of War that are at roughly the same spot I am because you haven't played it yet. I texted Jeff being all, hey, have you played God of War yet? I need to talk to him. No, I haven't. Motherfucker, get on your game. <laughs> I, I'm going to pick it up this week. Yeah, I, I need an adult to talk to about that game. And I maybe spoilers, I don't think they are. This game is great. It should That's be called God of War 4. There is some stuff in this game that ties back to the other ones that you don't need to know about. But God, as like a sequel to a, as a game that had a 10-year gap in its franchise and that they made a fucking sequel to a kind of fantastic but flawed trilogy in a variety of ways and this is what you get out of that uh like it's game is so fucking good has it really been 10 years i i think so i mean playstation all-stars came out like that doesn't count (laughs) he's 
in it. It counts. Eight years. Sorry. God of War 3 initially came out in 2010. Wow. And th there has been another God of War game since then. I don't count that one because there's only three God of War games in my brain. The other ones are fine offshoots, but canonically, there's only three you care about. Okay. Oh. The other ones are canon, but they don't matter. Okay. But yeah, I've heard they have throwback references. To they have so stuff. many throwback references, and they are such good references. Like, I, there, there's a moment in the game where someone, like, fucking figures out who you are from the previous games, and they're like, oh shit, motherfucker. <laughs> You're the fucking ghost of Sparta. Shit, didn't you like, yeah, yeah, I did. Shut up. <laughs> I really gotta get it. I may end up getting it this weekend just to start playing it. It's really good. I like it, and there's only one real spoiler for that game, but it's like it, it would be nothing to you. Like that's the thing, telling you what that thing is wouldn't matter to you at all because you haven't played the previous games. And without the previous games, it's a cool ass moment, and it like contextualizes so much shit in that game. But, like, for me, I'm sitting there, like, my jaw on the floor going, oh, shit. So then should I play the older ones and then play them? Oh, we're going to fucking play them for the channel. Now that God, now that, now that I have, like, now that I have my faith restored in God of War, we're going to play the original three God of War for the channel. <laughs> like, that's, that, the moment I started playing God of War 4 and went, you know, this is pretty good, mm -hmm. I immediately said, you know what we need to do when the studio's built? Fucking play all three God of Wars. Like, and I'm sitting there going, no, what we do is we do Mass Effect style, because those games you can beat in a day. Each You play all three games, three weekends in a row kind of thing. I'd be down. We're bringing back the Endurance Run, we're doing God of War 1 one weekend, God of War 2 a second weekend, and God of War 3 a third weekend. And we are going, because that's like what that franchise deserves. You can do them in a day, it might be a long-ass day, but you can totally fucking do that. Hell, I'm, I'm... you could do all three in a weekend if you wanted. Really? Okay. I wouldn't recommend it because like each of those games is like eight, ten hours long. But you could fucking do it. Well, I am game. Yeah, I, like I, I put me in, coach. Yeah, let's do this. <laughs> the, the more I play of God of War four, the more I keep being like, I need to go back and play the first three again because those things were flawed. But man, dude, <laughs> yeah, I. I, oh, that game is so fucking good. Like, and if you've played the other God of War games, it's a kind of by-the-numbers God of War games. I was joking with myself about that, where I'm like, ha! Oh, this is the part where that happens. Yep, they, of course it happened. It's a God of War game, but it's never happened this way before. And then you have Kratos saying something where it's like, I've never been to that version in Norse mythology, and you're like, oh, shit! He's right! He's aware of the fact he's done this, like, eight times already. <laughs> oh yeah, it, again, there's another cool, like, there, there's so many kind of like little nod moments where something will happen, and like you just have me as a God of War fan who like remembers the original David Jaffe pitch for this, which was the first two God of War games were going to be Greece, or kind of the Greek myths, and then starting after that you'd start doing other mythologies. They fucking have a roadmap for what the sequels to this game could be, and it's like, oh... Can you please make sure you don't fuck this up enough that you do the rest of this? On a literal fucking map, they call out two other mythologies. Get the fuck out of here, really? And, I, and like, 
one of them is one I didn't even think you could do in a God of War game, but then I realized it's like, no, you do Egypt next, because that was the other one that was rumored to be what this new God of War was going to be, and then you go do that other one, and that's how you fucking end God of War forever, because that's what, like, it's like, because that's what that mythology is, and, like, that's where Kratos has to, like, die at the end of that, because holy shit is it fitting. Is he just gonna, like, go fight Jesus and his disciples well, kind of thing? So the ending, uh, spoilers for the original God of War 3, like, the original ending of God of War 3 is open to the interpretation of, with the death of the Greek gods, Kratos accidentally creates kind of the monotheistic, the single god religion by accident, because it, with a power vacuum, Christianity comes in and kind of fills that void in the Greek lifestyle. Like, it's there are no more gods to pray to, and nature can't have a power vacuum. Like, you can't destroy energy, so something's got to take up that torch. And huh. it's some bullshit-ass That's blinding a... white light stuff, so... That is an interesting theory. I, it's... Like, I think David Jaffe got out there and said, like, his whole idea was that, like, at the end of the God of War franchise, like, Kratos dies, and because he's absorbed every fucking god that he killed so far... He, like, creates Christianity or Judaism or uh, Muslimism. I'm not quite sure what the one on that one is. Like, because he, like, bursts forth energy that becomes the solo god as opposed to a pantheon god kind of thing. Huh. Yeah, I, but God of War is real good. Real fucking good. Did not see the twist they threw at you coming. And I've been playing, I, I, played, all this, I played all the God of War games, and I'm like, holy shit, did, Wow. Did they, did they do that? Yep, yep, they did it. Yeah, I, and it's one of those things where as a fan, you could say, like, oh, they have to do this, and they spend so much time setting it up that they're never going to fucking do it, that when they actually do it, you're like, oh, this has a this has emotional resonance going on. This is a this is a tough choice for Kratos. Mm, this is a man who's back against the wall. I understand why he's making this choice. I might do the same in his situation. Uh, I, it's weird Kratos being a sympathetic character. It's fantastic, but, like, where he was kind of unlikable previously, it's like, I kind of fucking feel for him. Like, there's a point in that game where your kid becomes just a piece of shit, and Kratos gets fucking done with that kid's shit. And you're like, yeah! And we, we finally tell us that kid off. You're like, yeah! That's exactly what I wanted out of this sequence! <laughs> I wanted Kratos to be like, boy, I am your father! Snap out of this shit! You will not behave as such. But yeah, God of War's fine or whatever, I guess. It's okay. You should probably it's all right, play it. I guess. <laughs> if you own a PS4, you probably should be playing it already. Just saying. Well, like, <laughs> fucking stay off the internet, too, because my YouTube feeds I watch, they like, oh, like, like, let's remind myself what happened in the first three God of War games is now just fucking full of God of War spoilers. And I'm like, no, why would you do this, you monsters? Yeah, no, I'm avoiding the internet in general just because of uh, Infinity War, so... Yeah, I don't care on that one as much, but... <laughs> I understand it, though. I understand it. But I've also played a third game this week. Oh, what else have you played? I've been playing Frostpunk. Go on. Uh, how do I explain Frostpunk? Um, it's like SimCity. If SimCity was happening during a post-nuclear war ice age... And we never made it past like that weird steampunk period, and like your citizens could revolt and send you out in the tundra to die. It's pretty fucking metal. 
it's a cool game. Like it's kind of it's kind of a survival game. It's definitely a base management game. Like so, pretty simple premise. Yeah, premise: you are a group of people. You you find this giant fuck off generator thing in a glacier field or something, and you build a town around it. You got to kind of manage your town's bullshit. Where if they become too despaired, they will start like ousting you. If they have no hope, they will oust you. But you can like enact religion and laws and shit like that. And about resource management, and you can make tough decisions like, do I enact child labor laws? And if you do, how do those evolve? Like, will it just be, okay, kids can do safe shit, or I fucking need people in my mining operation, send the kids in. <laughs> it's cool. It's it's a very pretty game. It does some neat stuff. It's definitely not for everyone. I, If you like the Civ games, or like if you're if you really enjoy the base management part of an RTS, but don't like care about the fighting, it's up your alley. I it's kind of hard to talk about. It's it's cool though. I enjoy it. No pun intended. Given that's about Frost. <laughs> it's an ongoing war for survival against the creeping cold of death. That does sound kind of cool. And corpses <laughs> piling up in your. Oh, oh, there's that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I broke my promise once. I said I'd build a graveyard and didn't because I didn't <laughs> have enough wood. To build a great... How does that work? It's a resource management game. Like, uh, it's... Tombstones are usually made of, well, like, stone. It's a structure. You had to build it out of some stuff. But whatever. <laughs> it was partially because I didn't build my sawmill close enough to the woods. That's on me. <laughs> oh, it's one of those scenarios. Got it. Yeah. And there wasn't a path. Like, pro tip. Fucking make paths to shit. I assumed my guys could walk across the snow to get to the sawmill. They could not. Oh, so yeah, it's very much more Civ 5-ish. Yeah. It's it's like SimCity. The, the paths are power lines, essentially. Mmm, okay. Yeah, it, yeah. It's a fun game. It's like 20 bucks on Steam. If you're, if you're into that kind of thing, go check it out. But I think that's about all I got up to this week. I didn't do much else. Huh. All right, well, I guess I'll... I didn't really do much either. Like I've been talking about, it's been kind of just a neutral, calm week for the most part. Um... Finally went to go see Super Troopers 2 uh, after that movie was, of course, Indiegogo'd and raised a bunch of money and hit a bunch of benchmarks, and they finally erased the movie, Whoop. and man, was it disappointing. I had high suspicions it would be. Oh, man. I, like, don't get me wrong. There, you, you definitely have some good chuckle laugh moments. But yeah, but they're the it, same chuckles from the first movie. Yeah. Well, no. The first movie I really liked. Like, the first movie was fucking How great, many of the like, jokes you thought from the second movie were already present in the first movie. Um, they actually, I they made a few nods here and there to some of the older ones, but not they they didn't just literally re-release uh, references to the first movie altogether. Like they kind of were the movie was its own thing in a way, but like I think the thing that annoyed me more than anything else is they literally turned Farva up to eleven and just over the top, just dickish ass holery, and it's just like, uh, okay. Like, it's just one of the, some of the few things. Like, it just, it plays on some really stupid, like, stereotype stuff. And don't get me wrong, I love a good joke and this and that, but it's just a little, like, eh. It just didn't, it fell flat. That's my problem with it. So, if you like it, I mean, hey, kudos to you. I've heard people say that they do like it, but, um. Well, so, I think this is kind of what you got to remember, too. Comedy is weird where, like, you and I may not like Farva that much, there are people that think Farva's the best part of Super Troopers. Yeah. But the thing is, like, he's a good part of Super Troopers 1, but it's a collaborative effort. Yeah. It's not just Farva on his own. 
it's a collaborative thing, and it just doesn't really work for this. One. And he's used sparingly. Yeah, like, like they it just when he's there, they douse you in it. It just, I, I love those guys. I've seen two of the guys do stand up live, and they were great live. Uh, hell, the guy who plays Pharma, he, I saw him do stand. He's great. Like the, the the cast himself, and I and I like a lot of their movies. Like I love Beer Fest. I love uh, Club Dread. I always forget Beer Fest is them. Beer, yeah, Beer Fest is them, and that was that's another great movie. I'm still waiting on Weed Fest. Everyone says that they'll probably Kickstarter that one too, or whatever. But yeah, I went to go see it. My girlfriend and I were really excited, and it just kind of fell flat. And it was just like, oh, well, that was a thing. It's the second movie since I've been with Mandy that we both kind of looked at it and were like, this was a thing. The first one was Hail Caesar. You ever, you ever watched Hail Caesar? No, I did not. So Hail Caesar is this movie by the Coen brothers that, like, the weird, there's this weird premise that, like, the communists are behind some sort of kidnap attempt and they're going to kidnap George Clooney for ransom money, but it's like a secret communist party. Oh, I somehow... did see this. It was bad. Yeah, it was just all sorts of awkward and weird. Like, I didn't... Uh... Yeah, and then apparently, um, what's his name? Josh Brolin is, like, some sort of, like, producer, but he's also, like, a muscle band for the fucking Hollywood studio or some shit like that. Like, it was just layers of weird. But it's a Coen Brothers movie, so that's kind of to be expected. But this is a whole new level of, what the fuck did we just watch? But I will say, though, like, I was... I, we, Mandy and I weren't the only ones who had that experience. When we finished the movie, everyone in the theater just kind of looked around like, what the fuck did we just watch? So it was, it was nice to know we weren't alone in that, in that thought. Um, mm. But yeah, Super Troopers, hey, if it's your thing. I won't say don't go watch it, but I will say in my experience, it's, it was a thing. I will say maybe want to wait for, wait for like it to be on Netflix or some sort of digital release. That's what I'm doing. Um, yeah, when the overwhelming reaction wasn't, this movie's fucking amazing, I'm like, okay, let's... Let's wait. Yeah. Um, and, of course, uh, the, there's, a, there's been an incident at the household. The turf wars have officially begun. They've begun, Charlie. The, the, it's happening. Now, I, I have to ask, you understand what a turf war is in the modern gaming landscape, right? Where they take over part of the land? No, it's when monsters and Monster Hunter fight each other. Oh! Well, then, that, yeah, that's kind of happening. So, we had an unfortunate incident. We don't know how, but one of our lizard great escape out of his uh his his storage is uh his cage if you will um and i guess he had i don't know if he had slipped or fallen from somewhere and got caught but the dogs had found him and there was a whole little thing and unfortunately one of our lizards is a little bit hurt but he's all right it's all just superficial wounds it looks like but it did scare the shit out of us because all of a sudden the dogs went crazy not like rabid crazy but they were just more intrigued by the whole thing so uh, that's the illusion that they're giving us. I think secretly there was negotiations fell through and it was a hit on the lizard's life. Or, and follow me on this one, what if they injured the lizard to put false sense of security to make them think they weren't getting around, along? Like, none of these wounds are major and they're just kind of like surface wounds, right? Yes, absolutely. It's like shooting someone along the side of their body in a non-critical area. It still looks like you shot them, but... You think it could be that they're just trying to get me to lower my guard overall? I wouldn't put it past them. Hmm. Well, I'd if, say I need to... Because <laughs> well, if you're sitting there going like, well, obviously the lizards and the dogs don't get along, 
you're not thinking about a team up from them, and they can now work together in the shadows when you're not around to stop them. Oh, makes sense. Are they they're just looking to replace me. Is that is that what it sounds? And, and it makes a lot of sense because whenever I get up in the morning, by the time I come back to bed after using the bathroom, they've already taken my spot in the bed. Yeah. So it leads me to assume they're just trying to replace me. Yeah. Huh. In the near future, Mandy will just be dating two dogs and two lizards in an Alex suit. <laughs> you know, you know, it's probably she won't tell the difference because uh, I, I'm I probably act like two dogs and two lizards in the suit. I'm not picturing how that would work, and I'm picturing like the lizards, their tails make the arms or something, and one of the <laughs> dogs is the head. Yeah, that might work. So, uh, if you don't hear from me in a few weeks, Charlie, you need to send help. I've never trusted your pets, so this doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> well, they're going to have to do the podcast, because if they kill me, one of them is going to take over the spot. They're going to literally take over every aspect of my life. One of them is going to go to work and have their soul crushed every day from dealing with people. Oh, no, they all have to go to work. Like, it's it, it's all or nothing, man. The, the collective has to be a thing. <laughs> like Just like the collection of bugs when it made a person on John... In, well, not John Wick, uh... Oh, wow. Wow. John Wick, really? No. Um, oh, Constantine. Jack Horseman? No, Constantine. You ever see that? There was a monster there that was literally just made out of flies, but it was a person? Yes. Sorry. Yes, I did remember that. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. It's going to be a bunch of lizards and spiders and dogs inside a coat, and they're just going to walk into work. Yep. How's it going, Dave? I ah, forgot about the spiders. Right. They could be your facial hair. There you go. I think a tarantula beard would be pretty legit, though. Like, just on a level of just terrifying, that'd be pretty legit, I think. I'd never have it for a beard because I, I'm terrified of the spiders, but it would be kind of cool they could, from like, the outside. Spin a beard. Yeah, but it, that might work. Why am I assisting in plotting their replacement for me? Because you're a fool. Ah, uh, well, uh, this is my last podcast because I'm going to clearly be assassinated next week. So on the plus side, you don't have to worry about the Jeff jokes anymore. You'll have to come up with Alex jokes instead. That's what I hired the spiders to kill you over. I mean, I'll I'll miss you. I fucking knew it. I fucking knew it. I got nothing else to follow up with that. Fair. I just figured I'm just accepting my fate. But it's eh, it is what it is. If I want to get replaced by lizards and dead dogs, then so be it. That's my life. But yeah, other than that, it's been a very neutral week. Nah, just kind of quiet. So, uh, I am on a wild grind. I think I had mentioned that a while ago, which has been kind of a thing. So. I have successfully not played WoW in several months. I think I am, once again, temporarily done with that game. Really? I don't know. I, it didn't hook me the way it did previously. Like it, it also had the bad luck of I moved, and then fucking Monster Hunter came out. It's like, well, WoW will be here when I get dumbed. I gotta ride this Monster Hunter wave. And I'm like, okay, I'm kind of slowly falling off this a little bit. Ooh, God of War's here! <laughs> Well, you're going to be on the God of War way for a while. I like. think I am almost done. I, I think I have one more kind of arc to go in that game, and then I have completed the story, and I don't know how into all the side stuff I'm going to get. Because the side stuff is good, but at the same time, I I like that game a lot. I will also enjoy being done with that game. Yeah. It's like, that was a good ride. Maybe I'll come back to this in a couple months. But for now, good. It's like watching a movie that way. You don't, it, you don't want the sequel to come out immediately. You want some time to be like, that was a good movie, or that was a shit movie. Or in my case, I want to talk to someone about that ending. I need to talk to someone about that ending. Alex, fucking play the game already! I'm going to work on it, assuming I'm not dead next week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
I think uh, I think we're ready to move into our news topic. First order of news. I got a dog. That's right. You didn't bring that up yet. I thought you. I thought you asked about what? No dog topic or anything like that. I I was waiting for something. I'm on surprised there. Yeah. slide on that. Yeah, I told. Maybe it's because I'm worried about my own death and yeah, demise. That, that's it fair. Just kind of slipped my. But yeah, come on, tell us, tell us, tell us. I, I have. Welcome a, to the club, by the way. I have a dog now. It's a dog. <laughs> it's not just a dog. Come on, tell us about him or her. It's a her. I. We intentionally got a female dog because I find male dogs and their turf marking tedious. <laughs> what do you want? It's a small dog. It's cute or something. Ah, uh, you've only had her for what? Two, three days now? Not even. Like we're recording this like the like roughly twenty four hours after I got her. Yep, give it time. You you'll be bringing her up more and more. No, I oh. suspect I won't. It's a dog. I. <laughs> it's a very cute dog, but it's it's a it's a dog. It, it does it is a dog thing. It, it is got a, a very cute dog. We got a puppy because I make real shitty life choices. <laughs> nah, you she's. Know, She's already kind of partially housebroken, which is weird, but... That's good. Like, she she doesn't know to go outside, but she's smart enough to, like, make a ruckus when she needs to go to the bathroom, and we put her outside, and she's angry it's cold out, and she's tiny. <laughs> you know what you have to do for the thumbnail this week is get the dog and put, like, a little uh, what, a fedora and a trench coat? That's going to be the thumbnail this week. Why a fedora and a trench coat? Because when I get replaced, I figured my replacement dog would have a trench coat and a fedora. That wouldn't pass for you. Don't wear a fedora now. Like, what, what, what would replacement Alex be? Okay, it would be like a, a costume Blackbeard beard on um, here at work, like a polo shirt. Or in reality, like, I don't know, an esports jersey or something with sleeves to hide its, like, broom arms or something that lizards have to manipulate. And pants. Like... You don't get a fedora and a trench coat. You don't wear that normally. We'd never suspect your animals were you if that was the case. We'd be like, what the fuck's with Alex's new fedora and trench coat? Bet there's two dogs and two lizards in there. <laughs> but if you just showed up as normal, we'd be like, oh, whatever, Alex. You look less formed than normal? I don't know, man. Less formed than normal? <laughs> Have you been, like, reverse working out? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Mandy, well. why does your boyfriend look like he's made of dogs now? He woke up like that, Fair. He just is a little tired. Things have been rough. Guess that's what happens in his family eventually. <laughs> it's a genetic thing. They just kind of all of you turned to these weird lump monsters that look like they're made of dogs and lizards and spiders. Huh. That sounds unfortunate. <laughs> I just want to imagine this. Like, it's going to be great. Like, I just, I, hmm. Like, what would they wear? They'd probably wear one of my Star Wars shirts. Do you watch fun. the show BoJack Horseman? I do not actually. You should watch that simply for um, the character that's um, like adult. His name is like Adult Man or something, which is just three kids in a trench coat. Adult Man. It's called Adult Man. Something like that. Huh. Oh no, the show's called BoJack Horseman. There's a character that's named like Huge Adult Man or something. Okay. I'm blanking on his no, name. I, I, I know the show. I know the show exists. I just haven't watched it. But yeah. Well, congratulations on your dog. I look forward to uh, meeting your dog at some point and maybe setting up some sort of play date once you've got your shots in order for her. Yeah. That's the weirdest part right now. She is in that weird state where I I have a dog that quite literally cannot go outside and do dog things because 
nature is toxic to it till it gets its shots and stuff. Yep. But after that, it's clear sailing. Yep. And the name I was forgetting was Vincent Adult Man. Vincent Adult Man. That's yep. Very, that's very much a fake ID name. Yep. You should Google <laughs> Vincent Adult Man in your free time just to get what I'm saying. <laughs> that's great. That's why I kind of imagine your two dogs and lizards doing. I can see that. That'll work. Yeah. <laughs> but with stuff we actually believe you'd wear. Yeah. I've probably made Vincent Adult Man the thumbnail for this week's podcast if you're confused. <laughs> that There's sounds like a lazy thing I would do. <laughs> and if you want to follow my dog's Instagram page, it has one. It's Captain Scrump. Can I just say I love the uh, your, your dog's name and the handle for Instagram? Captain Scrump? As soon as it came up on my feet, I'm like, what the hell is this? And then I saw it, I'm like, oh, <laughs> yes, it's happened. Just a matter of time. Oh, yeah, I look forward to Scrump showing up in, like, live streams and shit. Like, I, when the studio gets set up, I know I keep saying, like, it's, like, some eventual, like, I'm lying to myself thing. Like, we have two plans I'm actually going to follow through for. The first plan being, we're going to finally do Eve relaxation streams, which are going to be being trying to figure out the fuck Eve is. And then having, like, Alex playing Bayonetta 2 off in the left-hand corner because <laughs> it's a thing I've always wanted to do where it's, like, play some, like, super, not boring, but slow-paced game and then have, like, fucking batshit insane shit off in a corner. So it's like, and if you get bored, Bayonetta 2. What we should do is you can be playing Eve and then I can be playing God of War. Yeah, something like that. Like, just have a little, like, instead of having a face cam, just have, like, God of War cam. <laughs> that could work. There also may be a dog cam in our future whenever we do long, like, group live streams or something. Yeah, like, during the 24-hour stream or Just something. Just have a picture of the dog bed and the dog. Yeah. Because I have a lazy dog. <laughs> but on to actual news, I guess. Me getting a dog is not news. Kind of news. Eh, it's not gaming news. Well. It's not news that matters to many people. It matters to me because, and my girlfriend. She also now has a dog. It's the same dog. Wait, What? Hold your fake surprise at this. Let's just fucking do the news intro sound. Let's go. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad that that gag is stuck around. I, I like that one. I may replace you with an actual sound at some point, but let's <laughs> see if I notice. Overlay the two. Wow, I got real good at that. Yeah, you did. You did great, Alex. Good yep. job. Yes. First I up. I figured I'm. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. First up, we have the. Uh, Official E3 2018 press conference schedule. You know that thing you care about. And it goes as such. EA starting it off for us at Saturday, on Saturday, June 9th at 11 a.m. Pacific time. That's who the fuck cares other time zones. Figure it out yourself. Uh Microsoft Sunday, June 10th at 1 p.m. Pacific time again. These are all in Pacific time. I'm not going to say Pacific time anymore. Bethesda, Sunday. Same day as Microsoft at 6.30 p.m. Ubisoft, Monday, June 11th, 1 p.m. Nintendo, June 12th, 9 a.m. And we don't have Sony yet. Looks good. Now, when is the actual... Is the E3 start on the 13th or what? Um, So, depending on who you are, E3 either starts on the 9th or... It's got to start on Monday, technically, doesn't it? I think so. Why is there no say... Sony day yet? I'm assuming Sony's doing a press conference. Yeah, apparently they just don't have one scheduled yet. Which yeah. is surprising, though. I mean, considering what do they got? Like a little bit over a month? Yeah. So, we'll see. Hmm, I hope they do have something. Unless they're just going to like do exit like some of the other studios have and 
just kind of ride on the whole PlayStation experience thing that they do later in the year. Hang on, I'm going to a second source. Um, okay, yeah, so a lot of sources are saying Sony has yet to confirm. Yeah. But it'll probably be at 6 p.m. on Tuesday. On Tuesday. They like to go last. You think they're maybe just going to not do anything this year? No, they got to do something. I I don't know. We will talk more about what we think they're going to do when we get a little bit closer to E3, but I they have to do something. I Even if it's just them being on stage, being like, we are fucking killing it. Did you all play God of War? I bet you all played God of War. That was the shit, wasn't it? <laughs> Actually, could yeah, that they're... please be the Sony press conference? The press conference is literally going to be a Let's Play of God of War. I'd be super okay with that. Yeah, and then it's just going to be narrated by Jack Black. And, no, uh, I want the guy who does Kratos' voice to narrate a playthrough of God of War. Boy! <laughs> press X! <laughs> that would be pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it I'll, would. I don't, I don't know if he would cheapen it a little bit, though. I don't care. <laughs> he just wants him yelling out, Boy! I, I kind of want to make Kratos yelling boy my ringtone on my phone. <laughs> That's how funny I find that. Oh, I got a text message. Boy! No, I just want for phone calls. Oh, just for phone calls? I, they need to get that voice actor to do boy, pick up your phone. That's something I would pay like a dollar or two to own. That'd be fun to do, actually. Well, yeah. now I know what to try to get you for your birthday. Fair enough. Let me tra literally track down the voice actor and be like, just say this. Just say the line. In SWS tradition, we got the guy that does the voice acting for Gurr from Invader Zim to tell Jeff to suck it at one point, so. Oh, wow, that's kind of I, We did it in one of our videos. It was some of the best money I ever spent. <laughs> it was like, it was like for 10 bucks, I'll say whatever the hell you want. And I'm like, I need you to tell my friend to suck it. And he goes, why? I'm like, he's a giant Invader Zim fan. He goes, oh, shit, I'll give you half price then. <laughs> that's hilarious. That's pretty cool. <laughs> oh, Moving on from that, though, to possibly the biggest news of this week, and it's so big it made, like, real, not real, but, like, more mainstream news coverage sites, I guess, and it's that the Switch just got fucking hacked wide open in a non-patchable way. Oh, what? So, someone has, a, apparently there's a ROM bug or something that lets you boot the entire Switch in a way that just rips open the firmware in ways that you can do some real shit with it. Like, have you followed the history of um, kind of Nintendo and various hacking things like this? Well, I, I followed it with, like, the Dreamcast and the stuff they did with PS2, and then, of course, like, the PSP, but never a Nintendo one. Okay, so uh, the Nintendo's actually had a pretty big problem where I think starting with the 3DS, there started being a pretty aggressive homebrew culture for it, where they kind of crack them open eventually, and they do stuff with them. And when you did that, you could just like do stuff like install games off the internet or download from the store for free, like some real fucked up shit. Mm -hmm. And so the Switch, there's been some rumors around that there's some real exploitable stuff, and there's been some people doing some stuff where it's like, hey, um. We dug into the code, which is not normally something you can do. But, yeah, so it started off where there was a boot exploit found. And we've now progressed to the point where you can now just straight run a fully featured Linux tablet system on your Switch. Ow. Shit. Yeah, and, like, to make it even weirder, this hack is not, like, can be done with, like, a USB device, apparently. Yeah, I heard it's complex, though. It's no, it's no, no, no. You could, it's, like, it's... It's pretty simple in the grand scheme of things. 
but more importantly, you can buy like a uh, micro SD card that you just put it in and it will fuck shit up for you. Oh wow, that's how kind of bizarrely big this is. Oh boy, yeah. I bet Nintendo's not gonna be happy about that. I, yeah, it, it apparently it's achievable via. So I'm gonna read this. Um, it it's done via wire. Basically, if you bridge pin ten and pin seven on the console's right Joy-Con connector, uh, that's how you do it. <laughs> and here's the scarier part. This exploit is in every single Switch they know out there. Like, it's this is not something they've ever revised, so that means however many Switches they got, mm. ta-da. Well, what I'm reading on here, and here's the, here's the just kind of add to that scary yeah. part. Since this bug is in the boot ROM, yep. it cannot be patched out without a hardware revision. Yep. Meaning all Switch units in existence today are vulnerable yep. forever. And to make it worse, it seems like so the uh, the Switch runs NVIDIA's Tegra X1 processor. It appears to potentially also spill over into that entire line. Yeah. Huh. How long till we start seeing uh, bootleg versions of uh, Switch games getting ripped off and stuff like that? Because this is, this is, I feel like this is going to essentially lead to the, uh, what do you call it? Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? This is going to lead to the Dreamcast 2.0, which is portable. It's not... I think, like... So, the difference there was that the Dreamcast, you could just straight... like The Dreamcast was so easy, you could just literally download a torrent and rip new games in a CD drive. This is a little bit more complicated, but not much in the grand scheme of things. As far as, like, console hacks go and console modding goes, this uh... is pretty bad for nintendo yeah i mean i can imagine them like people making you know what do you call it a uh, micro usb versions or whatever of games and just force it to read it as an actual legit cartridge yeah which is what the the issue was in the past with dreamcast was it would just read a cd that was burned as an actual game yep this is intriguing yeah we'll see where it goes i i yeah it sucks to be nintendo a little bit like i think the reality is this won't matter to the majority of users but I also kind of now want to buy a second Switch and do this to it. <laughs> I am intrigued. And while I would never hack a console, I've definitely owned a couple hacked consoles, and it was kind of cool. Yeah, I, I, I would be intrigued as well. As, as somebody who, like, normally roots his phone and does shit to it, like, this intrigues me. Yeah. No, it's, it's being hailed kind of in the same way, like, jailbreaking an iPhone was back when that first happened. Like, as a, like, no, you don't get how big a fucking deal this is, actually. Yeah. 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 Moving on from that, we got some Destiny news. Did you catch any of the Destiny Warmind DLC live stream? No, just because I'm tired of being disappointed by Destiny 2. That's fair. I did watch that, and there is some kind of stool-cuffed stuff coming out of it, but it's also fucking cringy. Like, that is a company that is very aware that their uh, fan base is not a fan of them. <laughs> what did they come out with? Or just give us the highlights. Yeah, I'm trying to kind of formulate the highlights, I guess. So it's, uh, you're going to Mars. You're not going back to old Mars. You're going to this new basin area. It's got lots of hive. You get hive on Mars the first time ever. Big deal. Big deal, people. Hive on Mars. And maybe we'll get some answers about Rasputin. So huh. we'll we'll see about that. There's a new kind of horde mode called um, Escalation Protocol. It's 
kind of neat. Like it's it's being hailed as similar to the uh, Elder, uh, sorry, the Court of Oryx and uh, sorry, the Prison of Elders and, and Court of Oryx. My bad, I'm mm-hmm. misremembering my destiny stuff. Which, if it's more like Prison of Elders, okay. If it's like Court of Oryx, still okay. But that thing was like quick, except on the really hard difficulties. But still, it was kind of cool. So whatever. Uh, Court mode just sounds like it's basically Call of Duty Zombies. And... You did not play enough of Destiny One to get what I'm saying. Uh, there was a thing called Court of Oryx where you kind of spy up, where you'd spawn in that case an instance, and it'd be like, okay, so there's a boss or there's like a challenge that goes along with this, and you gotta do this. And then Prison of Elders was, okay, you go to this room, we spawn ads for like five minutes or something, or we throw kind of an extra challenge in, like disarm these bombs or hunt this um, VIP target or something and survive. I, maybe there's survival modes, I guess is what you'd call them, and they had rounds to them. Okay. Yeah, they, yeah. I do see some interesting changes on this list that caught my eye. Sure. The uh, the private matches and ranked Yes, PvP. private matchmaking and ranked PvP are coming to Destiny 2. That that actually may be one of the biggest things they did. Yeah. Uh, I think ranked PvP would be good, personally. That's something that would probably draw me into it. Yeah. Maybe. Well, and they're I also, don't know. And they've also said that they're not afraid to now put, like, overpowered guns in. I guess, like, the reward for being a high-ranked PvPer is a stupid powerful gun, which is what it should have always been. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I kind of, I'm reading, like, they talk about one of these on here. Uh, I guess there's like a buff version of the Outlaw perk. Yeah. Fire Desperado. Yep. It, it looks, uh, I don't know. The I, thing I, I, I may... find the most baffling is the fact that instead of a new raid, we have another raid lair. I don't know why we can't get a new goddamn raid. <laughs> Or bring the old ones back. I don't care. But there's still technically only one raid in Destiny 2, and that sucks. Well, why make another raid when you can just make these small expansions and make money that way? Yeah, I guess the raid the, the raid layers are technically different variants, but I don't know. So maybe I'm I'm just not sure. But what's the difference between a raid and a raid layer? So in Destiny 1, the raids, kind of enemy-wise, thematic-wise, and stuff like that, were all very different from each other. The first raid you got was the Vault of Glass, which was Vex-based. And it was all kinds of, it was all kinds of mind-bendy. There were jumping puzzles. There were things called oracles. There was, there was kind of a bizarre puzzle element to it. The second one you got was um, Crota's... Crota's Revenge was the... You fought Crota, and it was a much more straightforward kind of combat, mission style stuff. But again, it was Hive that time. It was very different from the first raid. And then the third raid, depending on if you count, like, we'll count it, was Prison of Elders, the the hardest mode in it where you won and fought Skolas. And Skolas was a motherfucker, and that was the hardest version of Prison of Elders. And again, it was very different than the other two that existed. And then you had, um, court... Then you had, um... Court of Oryx, I think was what it was called. You had the one in the Taken King. Kingfall? I don't remember the name of the raid. But that, again, like that was Hive-based, but it was very, very different from the other ones. And then the final one you got was the Fallen One in Rise of Iron that I totally forgot in the blank. I'm totally blanking on, which, again, very different from the other ones. Like, yeah, they all involved shooting and killing stuff, but each one had unique enemies or encounters or other stuff to it. The raid layers were kind of remixes on the original version of that uh, raid. 
okay. they're not bad, but they're not as drastically different as. Okay. Like, and there's an argument maybe to be made that like the differences, like, the the solutions for puzzles and the way some encounters work differently in hard mode versus not hard mode, for the original raids. Like it, you almost kind of got two raids for the price of one. They were very similar, but also different enough. Where it's like actually no, maybe this is different. This is defendably t- harder. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Time will tell. I, I, I definitely opened up Destiny Two on my PS4 this week, and it was like. Hmm, maybe. And then didn't. <laughs> then it's like, oh, it's still Destiny 2. I, I have no drive to play it. Like, it's... I want to play it because I really fucking love Destiny 1. I, that's that's a favorite game kind of thing. And something about Destiny 2 just never quite hooked me the same way. Yeah, you've talked about that quite a bit, that it was just really, really different from the first one. And then on top of that... It's like, not. That's the weird thing. Like, it's the stuff they changed makes it too it's like no you were better the first time yeah i don't know moving on from that i remember we were making fun of the switch last week for the hardships of bringing um uh dark souls to it uh yes i remember that. well they're fucking bringing wolfenstein 2 to it uh, june 29 uh, i don't have anything to say yeah i i suspect it will be kind of like when they brought doom to that platform where it's like yeah it works this is the worst version I, I don't know. There is nothing... they're, they're really, literally just like fishing a lot just to try to bring stuff over to the table. There's nothing to say on this one. It just kind of is. Yeah, it's just the thing that it exists now. Like, okay. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, now for your uh, Battle Royale update of the week, I suppose. Um, yeah. Tencent, you know, Tencent, that small indie, totally not giant mega corporation we should be afraid of in the video game space because they own companies like Riot and shit like that, is ponying up and investing $15 million to help get Fortnite going in China. That is interesting, because they own PUBG? They own a chunk of PUBG. Yeah. In China. Hmm. They also own 40% of Epic, the makers of Fortnite. Oh, do they? That I didn't know. Yes. Huh. So they have a 40% ima- stake in Epic. Yeah, I can't imagine that uh, the, pe- the fine folks over at PUBG are happy with that. I, Knowing that they're going to get like pushed out of a market, or potentially pushed out of a market that they kind of have 100% control on at the moment when it comes to their genre of games. I don't think China has another version of PUBG, do they? Um, No, but so, uh, so to reference, Tencent did partner with uh blue point a blue hole sorry the guys behind PUBG to bring it to pc and mobile in china okay huh interesting i think they also make like two of the games that PUBG was busy suing for being a ripoff oh (laughs) now it's just got went up in a couple more levels of it yep interesting so how does that even gonna work out like are they just gonna like well we don't really want to hang on to you PUBG anymore we're just gonna since we already own 40 percent of fortnite We'll just run with this one. Thanks, but no thanks. I, I think so. Reality is, PUBG's doing well. Yeah. Fortnite fucking prints money. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, we did an article a couple weeks ago on how they made 15 million bucks on the mobile app yeah. alone within the first few weeks of release. Like, yeah. That game costs nothing to get into, which is appealing. And then it's all fucking microtransactions. And I'd like to point out, it's microtransactions done right. Because you don't need you don't need them to uh, 
I'll give you done what? better. How are they not done right though? It's not it's something you can unlock. It's they're done fine. It's all I guess it is technically all just uh, cosmetic shit. It's a hundred percent cosmetic, and it's not random loot. It's always like you can see exactly what you're gonna buy. Well, so maybe that's what I'm saying. Like, the rest of Fortnite, the other half of Fortnite, they're not the popular part, admittedly, does have paid loot buff. Oh yeah, the single player version and all that stuff. Yeah, oh, sorry, not the single player. The uh, the PVE mode, the dungeon stuff. Yes. Yeah, that that stuff does. Yeah, but mm, I don't know. Like, what do you? What, I'm just trying to boggle on my mind. I, they just control so much out there. Like, are they the only like studio or company or publisher that's out there that just runs China's market of games? Like, they have a pretty big monopoly. Like, and the reality is, they're a company that owns a chunk of Ubisoft now, and fucking owns Riot Games, a game that uh, Riot makes one game league that is fucking huge in China. Yeah. Huh. But like. How is that even gonna work? Do they, have, do they have any details? I don't know how that's gonna work. Like, there's no conflict of interest. One, one will survive. One will fail. They got a hand in both pots, so they don't give a fuck. Well, I mean, it's good for them, but I mean, in terms of the PUBG guys, like, they can't be happy about this. So, especially when it's the same partner. No, I'm just curious because you know they throw big stinks about the other I, stuff. I so. suspect that if um, if Tencent really cared about that, like. I suspect this one's in the category of if Tencent had managed to successfully buy Blue Hole or PUBG or whatever they're trying to do at one point in time, this might be different. But I don't think they give a fuck. I feel like Tencent's going to become that, like, Google. They already are. Well, yeah, but, like, just even more now. because They already are. Like, Tencent owns a shit ton of shit. Okay, so I just found out that apparently they own part of uh, Ubisoft and Epic. Who else do they have a hand in now? I'm curious. Now you know about because I don't. That's I'm, probably the like, end of who I know they own, but okay. Epic Games, Riot Games, Tencent Games, apparently things Supercell. I have a list mm-hmm. of subsidiaries now. Um, I guess they own like the fucking Supercell guys that make a bunch of shitty mobile games. Oh, <laughs> they own something called China Literature. I, they own a shit ton of stuff. Like I, they're a giant megacorp. Hmm. They're just adding to the list. Yeah. I, they're, they're, they're a multinational conglomerate company, which you should be terrified of. <laughs> like, scrolling through this thing, they own something called Tencent Limited. I thought that'd be... And then something called Tencent Cyber. And then something called Tencent America LLC. And then a second Tencent Cyber in a different fucking country. <laughs> yeah, they're like Vivendi and shit like that. Yeah, very much has that Vivendi yep, feel. They kind of are. They own something called WeBank in China. I don't know what that is. They own MiniClip, if that means something. WeBank does sound familiar. I don't know why I've heard that before. It just does sound familiar. Yeah. Well, shit. (laughs) For reference, they own the Clash of Clan guys. Oh, well then. God damn, they're printing money. Yeah. Yeah, they they own Supercell. I'll try that Supercell. Holy shit, they print money. Yeah. I'm just flabbergasted. I didn't realize they owned that much. I, I know they had a dabble in stuff here and there. I didn't realize how integrated they were out there. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know. I guess speaking of loot boxes that literally print money, uh, Belgium is the latest country, uh, country, not company, to say uh, in-game loot boxes like, like the ones in Overwatch are illegal because they're just straight gambling, yo. Yeah. Not much more on that, but... Other companies are not again, companies, countries are latching onto this idea that yeah, maybe this is just gambling. 
which they're not wrong about. No, they're not. But so is that the second country to say they're illegal out there? Yeah, and a Korean country, a Korean company's got fined a bunch of money, like almost a billion dollars, actually. Sorry, almost a million dollars over that stuff, so. Huh. Yeah. I wonder how that's going to, because I know, like, okay, so I know if these start getting enforced and pushed even harder and harder, how much it's going to change the client for the game in Europe. Just because, like, in China, or, yeah, in China, I'll give you an example. For a while, they don't have any skeletons in the game. They have different texture models for certain, uh, for all the skeletons that are in the game. They're just totally different looking. So I'm wondering if they're going to have to write their own, like, a different version for, like, the cons or the, the their games in these countries now because of this law. Or how do you think that's going to, hmm. You you know about the WoW thing, though, right? Um, I know they alter some of the stuff depending on country, but yeah. Yeah, you think that's going to start taking place when it comes to this, like the the loot boxes and stuff? I mean, eh. that's directly affecting their profits at that. Eh, I not to speak ill of our um Belgium listeners, but I don't think they make up enough of the gaming scape for video game companies to care about what like they're maybe losing in that country. That's shitty, but yeah, but the fines eventually, if they still, like, if they're gonna start trying to push out fines, no, I'm just something? saying you like fucking drop support in that country. Ah, okay, that makes sense. You can choose not to release stuff places. It's not always a good move, but you can fucking do that. I'm curious to see where this is gonna go because it's thoroughly starting to spread Europe. I'm wondering how long it's gonna take before it even affects anything in the. I. I mean, you already have Hawaii, which we've talked about in the past. Yeah, but that's not that hasn't gone anywhere yet. It's just okay. It's people talking about it. I reality is I think things in the US are complicated enough right now that no one's super focused on our loot boxes gambling. But we'll see. I I I think it's one of those ones where if enough country countries say, Hey yeah, this is gambling, it will change regardless of if the US latches on or not. Just because it's like, okay, yes, maybe the US makes up a solid percentage of the entire sales, but like, yeah, but if the rest of the percentage says this is illegal gambling. We're just going to change it. We'll see what happens, though. I don't know. Oh, yeah. speaking of uh, European countries and video game yeah. companies. So you threw this one on the list, so you're going to take this one, because I didn't have a chance to kind of deep dive and understand it fully. But, so, what's up with Nintendo versus Norway? Okay, so apparently the there's a group called the Norwegian Consumer Rights Council. Okay. has And they've officially reported that Nintendo... Uh, well, they reported Nintendo to the Norwegian government for breach of consumer law in Norway and the EU. So what they're pertaining to is that the the issue is Nintendo gives you no option to cancel a pre-order even though the game's not released. So they are in breach of that law. Um, and since, I guess, Norway is part of the European economic community, they share those laws. And so they can't, um, you can't cancel a pre-order. And so that's technically against the rules when it comes to that. Now, Nintendo is saying that they don't agree with the council and saying that they aren't breaking any laws simply by saying, well, once you preload the game on your computer or on your device, the performance, quote unquote, has begun and the sales contract is fulfilled, even though you can't run it. That's bullshit. By you downloading it, they've fulfilled their side of the bargain and they're good. It could be a month from now, but if you can preload, you've technically played the game kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I guess there's a quote here saying that the legal position expressed by the council is that the right to withdraw cannot be excluded 
before the purchase game can be downloaded and launch is from a legal standpoint or legal point of view untenable which really means that they're not they're not buying so nintendo's pretty much just like no because you have a choice to pre-order a game or not uh and so if they choose to pre-order then then yeah that's that's kind of your your choice but yeah they just the, the, the idea behind that you pre-ordered the game and then you preloaded it but you haven't played it counts as the game being played and that you cannot take a ref- you cannot get a refund at that point mm. seems fucking ridiculous because you can do that here in the US like well other companies do that like Steam you can pre you can buy a game and within the first 2 hours if you don't like it you can get a digital refund for it that was forced upon them by Australia ah but see it's an option Nintendo flat out doesn't offer that option at all so hearing that what are your thoughts on this one as someone who's tried to order a pre-order through um, Nintendo, it's shitty. <laughs> uh, as someone who's t- had to try and or- uh, cancel a couple digital pre-orders in the last year or two, none of them do it well. But at least the other, at least Sony offers, you can do it. It's complicated and lawyerese and fine printed all the hell, but it's nice it exists. I guess uh, maybe don't pre-order shit. Yeah, well, that's what Nintendo's saying. Maybe don't pre-order. No, Nintendo's not allowed to say that. You don't get to say don't pre-order shit if you're someone that offers pre-orders. That's that well, that's the thing, though. In their letter, uh, I guess uh, this company who got a hold of this letter, because it's a New Region article, but says Nintendo ends the letter by saying at any time, users have the choice whether they wish to pre-order a game in the Nintendo eShop or whether they wish to purchase the game after its release. It is ultimately each user's decision whether they choose to pre-order a game or not. Yeah, but you can cancel a physical pre-order in the real world. There's a deposit, but... Oh, yeah. But that's but the, the thing is, your deal goes through a third party. For most yes. Part when you do a physical copy. It goes through, like, GameStop or whatever place you go to. But the digital shop, even though you're not getting anything, they're like, nah, you either choose to pre-order or not. And that's basically what Nintendo's response is to this. Yep. So, it's interesting how much Europe is, like, starting to kind of shake up some of these game companies, things like that. Like, this has all been within the last, what, two years you hear about all this stuff? Like, the loot box stuff? Yeah. It, it's intriguing. I'm curious to see where this is going to go, just because, like, I feel like Europe's really taking it head on. I mean, Hawaii did that little thing we talked about earlier, though, but it's nowhere near what where, like, they're actually passing laws and doing stuff. And considering we had a fiasco not too long ago with fucking CSGO Lotto and shit like that, like, you think there'd be something or someone that wants to push something down the line, but I think it's... To be fair, those are all a little bit... Some of those are unique-ish in their own horrible special ways, but you're not wrong in your assessment either. Like, CSGO Lotto is not pre-ordering. If you want to talk about how, like, the digital laws in this country are all kinds of fucked, I'm there with you. Mm -hmm. But... Well, that's what I mean more yeah. in reference to, like, digital laws nowadays when it comes to this stuff. Because, like, I mean, you have, like, I think the only time they've ever actually started touching digital law stuff when it came to, like, pirated movies and things. Which is yeah. fair because you should be able to protect your copyrighted content digitally as well. Like, I'm not trying to take that away from anybody, obviously. But, yeah. like, it's just the, I, I don't think the law the laws are necessarily evolving with No, and you're, you are right about that. So... It, it's interesting to see that, that these, I feel like this is going to be that first wave of steps stuff actually going on. Like, it's, it's just, it's interesting. Like, it's, for me, this, I, I like all this little interesting political stuff here on the side when it comes to this stuff. Like, this stuff always gets me really intrigued. So, like, I've been following some of these controversies when it comes to the loot box stuff. Like, 
I was fucking excited when the CSGO Lotto shit went down. That was great, but I mean, it was also because of the drama, but, um, yeah, like, I'm wondering how much further this is going to escalate before it actually, I mean, you said it's already affected something because now on Steam, that that whole thing that happened with Australia. Yeah, that was, yeah, you so. can't legally sell games in Australia without having a refund. That's a yeah. separate topic. Okay. Well, we shall see where this turns out. Basically, it's going back and forth between uh, Norway and, uh, and Nintendo right now. Yep. Europe versus video games. Europe versus video games. <laughs> Fight! I'd watch that. I, I would, too. Yeah. We may get uh, to. Who knows? Yeah, well, we could watch it live on Twitch. Yep. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. I, that's I it for news our... this week. And since there was no real news to deep dive and rip your way into, um, there's nothing we could talk about in a professionally useful way. The Switch stuff would have qualified if either of me or actually understood what the hell was going on with that shit. We're going to kind of go a little off topic this week, and uh, I think we've talked in several times, or threatened to in the past at least, um, when the studio gets set up, I know I keep saying that this episode, we're going to start maybe doing some D&D style podcast or something, I don't quite know what it will be, just it, maybe it'll be a video thing, maybe it'll be a podcast thing, maybe it will be a interpretive dance you can watch on YouTube, I don't fucking know yet, but... Alex has shown some interest in doing a D&D thing in the past. It, won't, it probably won't be D&D. It'll probably be Pathfinder or one of the other variants on the kind of traditional pen and paper, pen and paper system that are a little more, shall we say, a streamlined for users' sake. But it has come to my attention that <laughs> Alex don't know shit about tabletop games. I don't know much at all about tabletop games. And... While we are technically a gaming podcast, we typically focus primarily on the video games, because that's what we both play most of. But when Jeff was around, we talked about tabletop stuff every once in a while, and card games and all that jazz. And I have a long history with tabletop games. I played Warhammer, I played War Machine, I still play War Machines technically. I played a lot of D&D at one point in the day, I played a lot of Pathfinder in the day, I played a lot of... Oh, God, what's it called? Shadowrun at one point in my life. I've played a lot of Burning Wheel, which is a fantastic battle system, if it still exists. Uh, Call of Cthulhu, the tabletop game, made up a weird part of my childhood. But, yes, so, uh, no listener mail this week, so if you want to clock out early for this, I totally understand. Well, All you're going to miss is our pimpage and long talks about tabletop games and all that <laughs> jazz. I know it's not for everyone, but if you're interested in that type of stuff, or someone's here, I have to say about various systems, or hearing what kind of dumb questions, or insightful questions, or whatever questions Alex might ask as part of this, stick around. If not, hope you enjoyed the podcast. We'll be back next week. Um, there may be a guest next week, but we'll see. But, oh, yeah, Alex, let's okay. talk tabletop games. All right. Let me just preface here by saying that I, I I have played board games, but when it comes to the world of like tabletop stuff like D and D, I I have not, nor do I know much about it at all. So, so, what is the most complex board game you've ever played? Oh fuck, uh, I don't know, maybe Monopoly. Ever played Settlers of Catan? Uh, actually, I have, and I, I think I played it once, actually. Okay, that, that probably qualifies as the most complicated. Okay, because actually, uh, Mandy's really good at that. <laughs> okay. But yeah, that that's pretty much the extent of my, that, that I guess that would be it. So there was you a Ticket to Ride fan? Uh, I have not played Ticket to Ride. It's good. It's a better version of Monopoly. 
Is it? Uh, oh, yeah. So, like, maybe it's fun to start off with this one. So, um, all the really popular board games are some of the worst board games out there. What? Monopoly, for those that care about board games, is not a good board game. Wait, what? How? I've always heard, I mean, I've heard the stigma of, like, Monopoly breaks up, uh, there are better versions of the same game monopoly is that like infuriate people a lot less take way less time to play and actually are fun okay go on you've got my attention i I think tick the ride is one of them where it's like okay so the idea basically being you're building an empire and you do like what do you do in monopoly what strategy is there to monopoly pretty much just start buying up properties and i don't know properties and roll the dice and hope for so the imagine if there was a way to play monopoly that was you could strategize you could plan around kind of thing and it wasn't quite as like well what am i gonna draw and what am i gonna roll mm. and that's what ticket to ride is i might be confusing it with something else it's been a while since i played ticket to ride but there i like in the group of people that really care about board games like monopoly is a hated board game because mm. like that whole it ruins friendships thing like, that's not because it's, like, a competitive game. It's because that game can take way too many hours and can end just unbelievably unsatisfactorily. And on top of that, you can have something that's going to obviously win several hours before the game actually ends because just by the nature of that game, it can draw the fuck out. Yeah, well, I've heard about that one. I am no board game expert. I typically shy away from board gaming crowds because... I don't like most board games. Like my, like well, it, I know. Hmm? Sorry, I, I know you used to do the thing here in LA where you did the uh, Cards Against Humanity. Yeah, I am a founding member of the Cards Against Humanity uh, meetup group. Mm-hmm. I have, the, if, if you have any listeners, I am the guy that provided the trophy to that train wreck. Ultimately, I so should I talk about Cards Against Humanity for a second or two? Yeah, might as well. I mean, it's it's one of the more popular board yeah. games that you hear about. Well, so and. Okay, so kind of here's an example of Cards Against Humanity versus it. So, ever heard of a game called Apples to Apples? Oh, yes. I like Apples to Apples. You do understand Cards Against Humanity is just a filthy ripoff of Car- Apples to Apples, right? Yeah, that I know. Yeah, so, but it's the more fun one because it's a little more out there. It's a little bit weirder. Like, that's often how a lot of these board games work. Where they take a similar concept and make it more fun or more perverse or whatever. Like, and to be fair... Cards Against Humanity, like so many other games, is heavily dependent on the crowd you're playing with. Like, a real immature crowd for that game can be fun, but at the same time, it can get old real fast. Yeah. Well, there's only so many combinations you can do before it's like... Uh... Well, so and I have played that game so many goddamn times, because the group I used to go to, that I, c- I can answer, I-, I can pull a card out of my hand off like the first three words of any of the prompt cards. Like I have we played so much of that game. We had custom kind of house rules built around like if someone ever says, Oh man, I just pulled the perfect card. Or we had that, we had collusion, which was a whole separate inside joke. But like like that is a game of people going like, oh I just got the best card and you play that game enough and eventually you get fucking sick of new people saying that. So you make what's called a dump round. Where you all have you all draw a card and you immediately have to play the card you drew, kind of forever killing the idea of like, no, it it's not the perfect card. Don't fucking say that. It's all subjective. Well, I know. Isn't that actually also? Is, that's actually a rule in cards. Against no, it's Humanity, not, though, isn't it? 
Really? That's a Reddit group original. I could have sworn I remember reading in the instructions that there's a rule on there that said if you feel that you drew, you have a card that you drew that could play a lot better, you can bet one of your current points, and if it falls flat, the winner gets your point, all the points you bet, kind of thing. Um, so you could put a second entry in. I could have sworn that's in the rule. That book. may be in there. Our version was if someone said, "Oh man, I just drew the best card." Our uh-huh. The next round, everyone had to pull a card directly out of the white deck and play that. They didn't get an option. Like, it was just oh. kind of be like, fucking don't say that. It's so annoying. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I I played Cards Against Humanity every Wednesday for two years. Pretty religiously, too. Well, I know, like, I, I actually have seen those, that group post up, but I could never make it just because you guys played on Wednesdays yeah. or something. It was like poker night. Yeah, exactly. It's a little rough. <laughs> yeah. We have a trophy. My name's on it. You still have the trophy? Or I don't have the trophy. trophy. I, I tapped. I, a lot of us hardcore veterans around the two-year mark of that thing were like, "Man, this ain't even fun anymore." Like we all were starting to lose steam. Like it, it became this very awkward game of you had the five people that had been playing that game forever, as far as that game is concerned, basically competing against each other. And anyone else who showed up would just get wrecked. Because the way we played was you would just keep playing till the end, till we kind of we all tapped out at the end of the night, and whoever won the most rounds won at that point. Like there wasn't like an end of the game. It's like that was the end of the game when we all went home, kind of thing. So you'd have like, oh, I won like four times, and you'd have me and a guy named Dev who like we'd, we'd both win like 20 times. It's like, yeah, uh, did you get 21? I got 21. Okay, cool. I guess I won tonight. Yeah, it, it basically was like the five, there was five or six of us that was like, one of us is going to win because we literally know every card in the deck and we now know how, like, reliably 50% of the people that show up to this train wreck go on any given answer. Yeah. Well, I mean, wouldn't even the new cards kind of add some flavor to it? or They don't add new enough cards all that frequently. And the reality is, like, we had a fully shuffled deck, meaning it was possible not to get any new cards. Oh, okay. Like, when you're playing with all of the Cards Against Humanity decks in one giant deck, you can go several months without repeating a card, potentially. Yeah. Yeah. No, like I said, I never got... I, I did play it a few times, and I used to buy a lot of the cards, but I... To be honest, even as somebody who played it, like, casually here and there with, like, friends and family, it did definitely run its course. Yeah. It it was a big deal for a little bit of time. I'm not saying it's a bad game, but it's... it. What's the right word for it? Like, it's... In the grand scheme of things, it's only an okay game. Like, it's no better than Apples to Apples is. It just was subversive, and that was kind of the mystique of it. It's like, oh, we're doing something naughty, and we're playing cards against humanity. And the reality is, when you have, like, weirdos like me playing it in a bar and getting drunk, it's cool. But when you have my parents being like, hey, we heard about this game called Cards Against Humanity, I don't want to play that game with my parents. <laughs> well, I don't think anybody wants to play that one with their parents. That's kind of a... But you get my point. Like it got to the point of saturation where people that like, it's like, oh, it's not cool anymore. Why? People know about it. Yeah, yeah, no, it definitely ran its course. It's <laughs> hipster and douchey to say that, but that's what happened. Well, but yeah, and the thing is though, there's only so much fun you can get from seeing certain cards every time. Like, the jokes definitely get played out. And don't get me wrong, as a guy who loves to fucking ride jokes into the ground, there's only so much cards against humanity you can take. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that's the extent of my like. So I guess, tabletop games. What questions yeah. do you got? 
I mean okay. real tabletop games, like the pen and paper, stat sheets, competitive, don't talk to your friend for a week because they killed your ranger bullshit. <laughs> well, you kind of have to give me a little bit of a rundown because I, I, the only thing I know about is the shit they stereotype that you see on TV as far as like, you have a character sheet, you plan out stuff. I okay, know so kinda... the basis for most of these games is that um, you have a character sheet, your character sheet typically dictates a class, a ra- it dictates your character, and that could be made up of a variety of things. It could range from kind of general ideas like, oh, you're a warrior, and that's it. Or in some games, like, you're a techno-elf in the like who's 110 years old, and while that means your bones are, like, stupid fragile, when elves get to 200 years old, their intellect goes through the roof, and they tap into some neural net or some bullshit like that. And, like, all the stuff I'm describing right now could potentially influence your character stats. Like, the description I just gave is, like, okay, like, maybe, I don't know, like, minus four to vitality, plus six to intellect or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's an elf, so it gets, like, I don't know, like, plus two to agility, but minus one to strength. But, like, it's a technomancer, so it gets an extra minus one to strength, because fucking nerd, hardcore, yo. But it gets an extra two points to intellect because of, like, neuroptical implants or some shit and its base skills are based around intellect so that's fine but like you could then subclass in i don't know something weird like oh you could get fighter stats but you could like go the ninja approach where like the intellect stat boosts your critical hit stats so while like you can't brawl but you can like self kill motherfuckers for days like that's how granular it can get uh was that helpful at all yeah no i mean i i kind of get it like I have a little bit of a kind of a background on it in terms of like understanding that there's going to be a lot of plunk complexities and layers just because like, and it's going to sound really cheesy to say, but like I've played wow. Yeah. And I've played RPG games. So I understand Skyrim, like, yeah. yes, I understand there, there are certain elements to that when it comes to like min maxing and certain stats and you know, things like that. So I guess one of my questions, have you DM before? Yes. Okay. So What's to stop a guy from showing up and being a real asshole and trying to deviate the whole story altogether? Um, so that it's so typical. So the reality is, and this happens occasionally. You're describing happens occasionally when you're playing with a D and D group. You all want to be there, and you all kind of want to play. Yeah. So that typically weeds out at least some of the assholes right off the bat with some freak. Not all mm. of them, but some. But then on top of that, like they're constrained to a certain extent to what you let them do like if it all comes down to what type of dm do you want to be i played with dms in the past that can be tyrannical dictators that were like no you will not fucking deviate we're playing this the way i want you to fucking get in there and kill that motherfucking dragon and there is some fun to be had there you'll learn the rules real quick in those situations but really the best dms are ones that kind of can weave a narrative and it's maybe it's more plot points than a book at that point, because it's an outline of where they want you to get to, and they let you kind of problem solve in between that point. So, like, to use your example, like, the reality is I played in some groups where, like, we, as a jackass moment to our DM, we had the moment of, uh, yeah, we're not going to go adventuring. What do you mean? We're going to pool our gold and, like, go open a bar or something. Okay, fine, go open your bar. Five years have passed, and you've become rich bar owners. Okay, cool. But then that dragon you didn't kill came and killed the town and burned down your bar. Oh no, we should go kill that dragon for revenge. Finally. 
there's like that that's a thing that happened in a game I played. That's interesting. There's ways of motivating your players to do stuff. Like I, the reality is though, you I nine out of ten times, if you are playing in a D and D game or a shadow run game, I'm gonna use D and D now as kind of a general catch all for this because I'm dumb like that. If if you wanna do that, you are gonna be a total asshole the entire time. Like you wanna play. It it'd be like getting into a fighting game tournament, making it all the way to like the finals, and then being like yeah, it's cool, I guess, but I'd really rather be playing Halo. Why the <laughs> shit did you enter? Yeah, no, that's fair. I feel like it's, a, it, depending on the size, it's usually a small little group that you can be like, you know what, you can fucking go, yeah. and the yeah. rest of us will be just fine. Yeah, no, typically a, a good tabletop group is like five, six, like, when you get even close to double digits, it gets significantly harder to manage. Some games a little bit better, but not most. Like, a good D&D group is like, six seven people tops and like seven is a big group like that that that's that's a commitment at that point like three four five pretty common like five so four players in one dm pretty typical d d and d group so five in the dm is a little bit it's like, doable yeah it's, it's definitely within okay. the realm of stuff you get it, it's fine okay huh like and now, the reality is most of these games are set up in ways that you can scale so like one of the groups i played with at one point like the the hardest core group I played with those kind of bunch of goofballs at the same time. We had the concept of floating characters. We had like, like oh, someone's girlfriend, yeah, someone's girlfriend, someone's friend wants to come and like play around, play a game, play a day with us or something like that. Okay, cool. We have this kind of tertiary character that shows up every once in a while that like none of us play and they don't affect the story. But it's like, oh hey, you're playing you guy or girl? Uh, I'm a girl. You're playing Mildred, our witch that shows up every once in a while. Is Mildred cool? Mildred's okay. She's kind of a bitch. Uh, there's a show called Harmon Quest that does a really good kind of version of uh, Dungeons and Dragons. That's not, that, that, I believe they're playing a modified version of Pathfinder where they have three main characters that have, are in every episode, and then they have a fourth floater character that kind of pops in and fills extra roles, and they're actually kind of the driving force of the narrative more than the three main characters are. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I, I, there's a game I... The, one of the kind of offshoot games I played at one point with someone was like a battle cooking game or something that like we all were just role playing Gordon Ramsay the entire time. And it was a quick like, yeah, this will take like one or two sessions to play through a scenario of this game. It's a nice palate cleanser. We're not going to play this all the time. Yeah. It was mostly just us calling flan shit for four weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Your flan tastes like shit, motherfucker. Your flan tastes like shit. Guys, guys, you're both wrong. Both your flans taste like shit. <laughs> so, hmm. Because I'm trying to just put together questions here, only because, like I said, I, I'm very much a noob when it comes to the tabletop stuff. Okay, so... I've always been intrigued by it, talked but I've never actually... We talked about before the podcast kicked off, so I guess we'll talk uh-huh. about it now. So, uh, you were under the impression that it was only fantasy games. Yeah, It was only kind of like was... knights and ogres and shit like that. Well, because you had established universes like ogres and orcs and all that stuff, and... All that. Have Is you that ever seen a D and D book before? A D and D book? No. Okay, so uh, get real nerd for a second on this one. Um, the way these games work is they have rule books or codexes or whatever pretentious name that certain game uses the name, and there's kind of three books of that. You have the Dungeon Master Guide, the basic kind of game rule manual, and kind of monster grimmeries and. The monster grimmeries can be are just kind of are tomes upon tomes of 
Werewolf has these stats. Here's how they scale up at certain levels. Here's how we recommend kind of implementing them in a campaign or something like that. Here's some lore based around them. Here, here, are, here are the rules for a werewolf. Use a werewolf however the fuck you want. If you want to do like a haunted house-based campaign and you're like fucking werewolf hunters and you want to scale one werewolf up to like a level 20 unbeatable thing, here's how you do that. Kind of figure it out though however you want to. And the books themselves are loose rules. There is like a quote traditional story to D&D. You can buy scenario books that like outline a specific set of quests or stories or adventure that your group can go on or they cannot or you buy them just so you can be like hey we don't have a fucking samurai class yet and you mm. want to play samurai okay cool get me that book with the awkward naming convention <laughs> like literally i own a DD book called like oriental adventure or something and i'm like that's a really bad name for at age wise but like in it it's about like okay here's how like, here's a bunch of enemy types that are kind of like Chinese, Japanese, Cambodian, that stuff, like, mythology-wise inspired. Like, it's lots of, like, cool Asian deities. I'm like, hey, here's the samurai class you guys have been bugging us about. It's basically a warrior, but we also have a ninja. Mm-hmm. Fuck you guys. Couldn't roleplay a samurai, huh? <laughs> here's two new races. One of them is Asian, because that's not human, apparently, in D&D land. Oh. No, it's... It's extra, it's extra flavor at that point. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're not normal humans. They're fools. I don't fuck. It can well, get occasion, It can occasionally get real fucking awkward because it's like I get what you're going for, but man, you did this bad. <laughs> that was like all the wrong word choices possible. So that's kind of more the traditional fantasy setting, and I, one of my favorite, one of my favorite kind of pen and paper RPG games is Call of Cthulhu because um, are you familiar with the Cthulhu mythos? Uh, Cthulhu myth only like I, I, okay. So I know some of it only because like I've seen some of the stuff on the internet and it talks about it. I know this very HP. It, well, it's made up by HP Lovecraft. Yeah. I know the weird conspiracy theory that um he's actually somewhere in the ocean kind of thing, and that's the whole thing he's based off of. Uh, I know that uh there was something else. Hold on, hold on, don't tell me. Um. I know, obviously, there was a big influence of, of, of Lovecraftian lore and Cthulhuism in uh, in the secret world. Yeah, which was fun. But other than that, like, I don't know super specific. Okay, so kind of to kind of give you the basic rundown of things. Uh, there's an expanded Lovecraftian universe, if you that's based off of the official works of H.P. Lovecraft that pertain to kind of the Cthulhu mythos, if you will, and other authors that are like either officially sanctioned or fit into the universe enough they kind of further expand upon it. Cthulhu is one of many kind of super crazy gods that fall into that category. And the, the Call of Cthulhu tabletop game is based around the ideas of that franchise. It's got kind of a horror bend to it. You're, you're only human with a lot of frequency. There's often kind of like... So one of the most fun campaigns I ever had in that game was where I think we were all playing like 1940s gangsters or something. Like, it, you can kind of shift the rules around in time where I, it was right after sorry, it was right after World War II ended because two of our characters were, like, um, soldiers suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, this game, tip, uh, the, the Call of Cthulhu game, typically focuses very heavily on affliction and ailments and kind of, like, doing one thing that benefits you in one way but also kind of hurts you in another. Like, so 
for reference in this in the in the tabletop game, in this game we were playing, it's called Cthulhu. You can cast magic. What the kind of criteria we got thrown on ourselves was the fact that every time you cast magic because magic is not something normal, you lost a sanity point and you had 30 sanity points and if you got down to zero, your character became a babbling, insane person who was, that was worse than dead. They were completely useless kind of thing. And as you got closer and closer to zero, your character had to become insane. They became less capable in every aspect. So and I, mm. it, it kind of was a modifier thing. But the idea was then, so we had two characters suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, where at the start of each turn, you rolled. And I think it was, they were doing six out of die for that. If you got a five or a six, your character suffered a um, post-traumatic stress disorder kind of break with reality. And that, and when, if so if you, you kind of had to deal with that. But if you dealt with it, you successfully kind of managed to work your way through it, you gained back three sanity points. So, like, one of our guys was one of those guys who's like, yeah, I'm going to fucking cast spells, and, like, every time I get low, I'm going to fucking go into post-traumatic stress disorder. Like, I'm going to try and, like, balance this out where it's like, oh, man, I, I've been casting too much fireball. Time remember that time Johnny died on the front line storming Normandy. Oh, Johnny, you were so young. Hey, I got three sanity points back. <laughs> and and like, my character was, I think I played, I think, I'm trying to remember, it, it blends together some, but, like, my character for that was some, um, big Italian enforcer dude for the mob who, like, was trying to track down some guy that kept killing other guys, where it's like, it's not fucking demons, you guys. And by the end, okay, maybe it's fucking demons, but demons <laughs> die from bullets like everything else that we've learned so far. So who the fuck cares if it's demons? Yeah. But so, like, as a result, though, my character was cast as a skeptic, meaning, like, I got... I think I took an intelligence ner uh, nerf to get it, but the idea was that, like, I was unaffected by certain things because you had to believe in certain things. You had to be open to the idea of certain things being real for them to affect you, where it's like, I think my guy backhanded a fireball at one point that was shot at him, where it's like, no, you can't fucking shoot fireballs. And that, like, disbelief in shit gave him a protective shield occasionally that let me do <laughs> stupid shit. Yeah, it, it was, like, cool. baked into the rules where, like, he, he so strongly believed magic didn't fucking exist. That it actually became magical and could like rip the jaws off demons and shit. Where it's like, no, 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 I have immunity to your demonness because I don't fucking believe you're a demon. It's a three-headed rape horse, not a <laughs> demon. Three-headed rape horse, by the way, is opening up Coachella next. Uh, you don't read Berserk because that's a thing from Berserk. Is it? Oh shit! It's fucked up. <laughs> Do not Google that. No, no, no. You'll get a very For... messed up comic page. <laughs> um, that. Although, not the rape horse, but, like, that whole idea of, like, the sanity actually does remind me of a board game that I feel was a little more complex than uh, Settlers of Catan. Uh, I think it was, like, called House on Haunted Hill? Yeah. Or something like that? Uh, I think that's what it's called. But uh, the whole thing was you have um, you have characters that have four stats, something along those, along those lines. And it's, like, based off, like, how you can move around, yeah. how you can do stuff. And then at the end... Eventually, you reveal who the actual the haunt is, and how you can defeat whatever the the ghost is and stuff like that. And it's actually pretty crazy because that game also has so many different scenarios. Yeah. So, um, so for reference, that's a pretty rudimentary tabletop RPG at that point. That's kind of an introductory level. Like, okay, like uh, so for reference, like the the um, Bloodborne tabletop game I posted pictures of to our Instagram and threatened you with 
That is technically kind of a pen and paper RPG, but it's more like a game called Munchkin, which is a fantastic mm. card game. If you've never played Munchkin, you should play it. It will end friendships in the best way possible. But it kind of distills down the basics of what a tabletop RPG are to a kind of fun, highly repeatable card game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've heard of Munchkins before. Yeah. Um. Oh, the game is actually called, I'm sorry, Betrayal at House on the Hill. Okay. Yeah. That's what it's called. All these games have real dumb names like that, like Ravenloft. Yeah. But this one was actually kind of cool. I actually, like, considering, I guess, this is more of an intro to a, um, to, I guess, a tabletop-esque game, because yeah. it actually has RPG elements. Yeah. This game was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, so there, there are lots of very simple, more simplified. I'll call them simple because it's always depth. It's always kind of unexplored depth. Like RPGs, tabletop RPGs don't have to be complicated, which is why when we start doing our thing, we're not going to do D and D. We're going to do Pathfinder because Pathfinder yeah. is basically D and D. Just someone went through and cleaned up the rules a little bit, made things a little less ambiguous. Uh, so I guess get real in the weeds for a second. Uh, at its core, D&D is a battle system, meaning it's a way of performing actions you can assign kind of dice roll values and modifiers to to make, like, it's boring if you and your friends are sitting around a table going, I attack the dragon and kill it. No, I attack the dragon and kill it. What the game lets you do is that you structure that conversation and say, kind of, okay, I attack the dragon. Okay, I do six points. Okay, I attack the dragon. I do seven points. Oh, cool, at 13 hit points, we kill the dragon based on that criteria. Basically, it's it's fun through math, if you will. Mm. It adds a structure. It adds structure to a loose-leaf narrative in some ways because the best D&D games are ones that are kind of maybe not at odds with each other, but where it's not necessarily about exactly what you're doing. You kind of, like, you make up kind of ongoing stories in your characters. Like, like if me and you were playing a game, I might make something up about that. My character fucking hates your character for no reason that you know of. And, like, it could become a side plot to the game of, like, I'm not saving him from drowning. Why? He knows what he did. No, no, I don't. What did I do? I'm not telling you if you don't know what I did. Like, you, you can weave stuff like that in there that kind of helps shape your character motivation. So, back to battle systems, actually, or combat systems or rule systems, whatever you want to call them. There's a couple different variants on them out there, and they're all kind of based around the traditional dice roll. I've played a couple that involve, like, spinners, one or two that involve the dartboard at one point. I, however you get your numbers, whatever. They're all dumb at the end of the day. They're all rolling dice to do things. But, I, like, for a long time you had D&D was kind of the basis of all of it, and that was it. And then there was a system called Burning Wheel, which Burning Wheel was kind of unique in that it was a... Um, it was a very linear system where you could kind of reattempt to do stuff in D&D. If you failed to do something in Burning Wheel, that option was just off the table. If you fail to pick a lock, you will never pick that lock ever kind of thing. Sucks to be you. Find a new solution. And I kind of enjoyed that system. It does it, it does change. You have to be a very skilled DM who can roll with it kind of thing and was willing to kind of like, well, we tried picking the lock, kicking it in, burning it down fuck, how do we get past this door? It was unlocked. Shit! <laughs> you never tried opening it. Or all the damage you did to the show, to, to, sorry, to the show, to the door, has loosened the lock enough that it slides open, but also kind of falls off the wall at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, so, moving forward, what else you got? 
Um, to be honest, like there wasn't like I, I just kind of like okay. So I guess this would be a good one for somebody who's gonna want to jump onto the tabletop bandwagon and like needs to be. I, I I like to be prepped beforehand for that kind of stuff. Although I do good on the fly, I do enjoy some preparation. So. For a guy who's completely walking to those blind for the first time, what would you recommend I read up or experience or try prior to jumping into an actual D&D session? Well, so the reality or is you've already played games like Baldur's Gate and Skyrim and shit like that. It's all about kind of balancing your stats and doing things. So you're familiar already with the basic concept of character creation and kind of how these systems work. Like, you're used to the idea of, okay, I fucking play a wizard which means I got to make sure my dump strat is, like, strength, but my, like, prioritized stats are, like, I don't know, charisma and intelligence, probably. Uh -huh. And, like, got to make sure my dude knows how to read. Why? Because he needs to read spell books. Yeah. Because reading's not always a given. I okay. Like, the reality, too, is, like, I can loan you my books. Like, you read the game guide, and it'll be like, okay, here's how the game works. They're not comp... Like, They've gotten a lot better at writing how the rules work than they used to be. Mm -hmm. They used to be a little unimpenetrable. There, there are also like as insulting as it may sound, there are like a dummy's guide to D and D out there and shit like that. I may have to finally pick that up. <laughs> yeah, they're they are what they are. I, I'm sure there's lots of YouTube channels out there that can explain to you kind of the basics of the rules. Like, if, and like the reality is like the the game and the rules, while they're interwoven, are so separate in some ways where it's possible to have like a three or four hour gaming session that's just kind of about conversation and world building and like trying to find information so you can go infiltrate a bar or something or trying to find the right bar, depending on how your DM chooses to play and how you as the players choose to go about doing something that like maybe you'll have a combat heavy campaign. Maybe you won't. You'll see. Yeah. Yeah. It's got ebbs and flows to it. Like all good games. Can't be action all the time. Or you find yourself in a scenario where it's like, okay, we're fighting an army. Guess what we're going to be doing all day? Fighting shit? Fighting shit. <laughs> you ready to fight? I'm ready to fight. Yeah. Let's fight. Yeah. Okay. I don't have too much else, actually, to be honest. Like, I just... Like I said, it's hard for me to kind of put in a lot of, of, of kind of questions here and there because, like I said, I've never actually... No, that's ...jumped fair. into the arena. Yeah, so. I, like, if you're, if you're looking to get into them, like, from a general standpoint, like Pathfinder, Starfinder, even D&D &D these days are really good starting points, uh... Stay the hell away from Shadowrun. Oh, that game is Shadowrun. Exactly. No Shadowrun. Shadowrun is a really cool game. It's also, at least when I was playing it, incredibly impenetrably hard to figure out. Like, that is mm -hmm. a game that I think when I was when we played it, we played with Excel spreadsheets. Because it's possible if you go far enough in that game to have, like, modifiers stacked on top of modifiers stacked on top of modifiers. Like, I had a character that technically became more powerful if I failed one or two of its skill checks because then, like, other things of it clicked on where it's like, okay, I failed my stealth test, which means I'm now, like, in berserker mode because I'm pissed off I got saw, I got seen, which means my strength now goes up 10 points. But every time, but I have another modifier because of gear I have that every time my strength goes up by two points i get a plus i get a times two modifier and it went up by it went up by 10 went up by two five times so i now have a times 10 modifier to my strength and i now have 300 strength and i'm gonna cleave that spaceship in half now gotcha. it's yeah it, 
Not all games are that complicated or need to be that complicated, but for the, uh, there are some ones out there. If you're really into math, you can do. Okay. Huh. Well, I think I'm gonna have to finally jump into this, and I, considering we're waiting on getting the uh, the studio fixed up, I definitely want to play. Yeah. And I've actually just like I said, I would love to see the, the Charlie version of a of a of a. I guess I'm gonna say D and D campaign as a general thing, but you know what I mean. A tabletop campaign. Yeah. It's been a while since I ran any of them. Like, the reality, too, is like the best stuff I was ever involved in wasn't stuff I was running, but I also know more than you, so I I get to be DM. But maybe we'll find a better DM. Who knows? Are you hinting that there might be somebody making an appearance soon? Maybe. Aha! I got nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I get Lil on board for that. She'd be a good choice for maybe something. She's also... Have you ever... Hmm? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. She's also wordy, so she'd be a good... Okay. My next question, I guess it'll be one of the last questions I have because I was curious. Have you played D&D with Jen? No, actually. I haven't played D&D since... Uh, I played D&D like the first two years I lived out here in L.A., but the group I played with was... Okay, so we've talked about this before, but the D&D scene in L.A. fucking sucks. I figured. Uh, it is a lot of people that are either like way, way, way way too fucking into D&D, or people that are way, way, way too stoned to make any meaningful progress, or people that just, like, we thought we'd be fun and play D&D tonight. Okay, cool. Have you played D&D before? Yeah? Oh, teach the rest of us. Fucking hipsters that saw this shit in Stranger Things! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have to say, that's kind of where I've seen some of it, too. Yep. No, it's it's experienced a nice revival because of that, but at the same time, like I I, I went to a couple D and this was before Stranger Things. But I went to a couple D and D nights that were like, okay, um, a lot of people figuring out the rules in here. Yeah, I've played before. You want me to teach you some rules? You've played before? I'm gonna leave now. <laughs> or the opposite end of the spectrum. Oh, I don't like playing with that rule. We always play with that rule. It's in the rule book. Okay, fine, whatever. I could, it slows down combat as an overall. It's in the rule book. We're playing with it. They wouldn't make three and a half revisions to get to this point if they didn't intend you to follow all the rules. All right, cool, whatever. <laughs> Charlie, your character hasn't gone to a bathroom in five in-game days. Oh, we we're taking it that seriously. Um... My character finds a corner and goes to the bathroom, I guess. In sight of all of the party, it makes a, I roll to make eye contact and make it weird for everyone else. Dude, why are you doing this? Because apparently this is what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, LA is a weird place to D&D. The reality is, like in other places, it's a tad more like, you want to play D&D too? Cool. Out here, it's like, oh, we already have a group, but we're auditioning new members. What do you bring to the table? Um, I've played D&D before. That's cool. What do you bring to the table, though? What do you mean? Well, Steve here is a skilled woodworker and made our table for free. And um, Timothy over here uh, knows someone at Blizzard, at Blizzard, so we get free updates and stuff like that. And Janet's sleeping with someone who knows someone at a card store, so we get to use their space all the time. And what will you bring? Uh, I can bring snacks. <laughs> That's not fair to that's not fair to mention that. Fine, a Jackson's the one sleeping with someone. That, that's a bad gender part. Right. That that's the case with it's like, what do you bring? Um, I can bring snacks. Not good enough. I I, I make my own mead. 
can you replicate this mead from this exact text we found that reference we can drink it in game and also not in game uh mead takes four months to brew typically at a minimum so yes but if we're doing this campaign tonight no then they're like see you in four months yeah come back when you have some alcohol that's period specific for it. fuck you too i suppose <laughs> i i feel like if any group says has to say we're auditioning new members i just want to walk away like that's what i learned like, if you have to use the phrase auditioning for new members as opposed to, like, yeah, we're looking for some new people to play with, I don't want to be a part of your group. No. That's just, mm. As soon as you started that part, I was just like, yeah, this is, uh, what do you bring to the table? Like, wow. Yep. I can see why the LA scene is shit, though. Like, it, I can see it, though. Like, I, I don't know. I, I've been to some nerd convention stuff around here, and I can totally see how that would be very off-putting uh, just here in LA in general. Yeah, I have, LA nerds are weirder than normal nerds, and I'm not saying it's the right way to be a nerd, but some of the ones out here are, we have enough people, you get kind of a lot of the bad part, where it's like, man, um, hmm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We can do more trilly sh- shitty stories of trying to join D&D groups out here. That would be a fun little... I, I, there was the time I tried to join a D&D group that was also a swingers group, and I... Decent D&D players were breaking down for the night, and it was like, oh, so I, I guess we're going to, oh, no, this is, when the re, like, oh, this is when the other stuff starts. Like, what, we just hang out and drink? Yeah, there's some of that, too, I guess, but uh, do you not know this is a swingers group? No, no, I, <laughs> I, I, I did not. I'm going to go. Oh, it was so much fun having you here, though, tonight. Yeah, I don't think I'll be back, though. It's the swinger <laughs> thing. I'm like, I'll play D&D with you guys. I don't need the direct transition into this, though. I, I can hang out and talk or something, but I... I feel like this group might not be for me. You narrowly avoided being part of a D&D sex cult, I, is what it sounds like. On more than one occasion. <laughs> I thought the orgy was for joke and part of that D&D posting. I'm like, oh, this uh, guy in a mask. This is obviously an orgy. I'm leaving. Is it, is it, is it the FGC horse mask? Uh, no, it was like some masquerade, like Italian, like eyes wide shut mask. I'm like, there's a lot. Of, oh, fuck. I'm leaving. Again, damn it. Just wanted to play Yu-Gi-Oh with that last one. Why would you lure us in with these weird criteria? Nah, I I guess it's probably my favorite one. Um, (laughs) There was one that really good D&D players, fun crowd. Again, I thought that wouldn't totally fit in. There was one that I, I'm not sure how I found out about them, but they were, um, they were an offshoot of the, uh, LA uh, BDSM group or crowd, whatever you want to call that group. Mm-hmm. And I did not know that when I showed up. I thought they said a fun naming convention because it was called like Whips and Chains D&D. So I show up in like jeans, a t-shirt, and a hoodie. And I sit down. Someone fucking walks in in a gimp mask. And I'm like, okay, let's see where this one goes. What the fuck? Just a full-on gimp suit? like Just the mask. Oh. In the middle. They were dressed normally for D&D plus a gimp mask. And I'm like, okay. What did you think was going to happen when they said whips and chains in D&D? I th- you know, I thought it was just kind of a fun, like, oh, it's whips and chains D&D. Oh, ha, ha. We're, we're hardcore. We're brutal D&D players. Oh, ha. Oh, you, uh, you guys meant it by actually. You take four points of damage. Are you going <laughs> to hit me with that stick because I took four points of damage? Do you not read the fine print? There was not fine print. <laughs> I didn't know there was fine print in this D&D group. Yeah. Now, you, you was that in L.A. or was that back That in- was in L.A. What? 
oh, I thought that would have been something back east, but then again, LA people were fucking weird, so it makes sense. You have a surprisingly nerdy BDSM crowd, I've learned, through my accidental run-ins with them on multiple occasions. Really? Have you just gone down the list of weird groups that, like, join up on that, uh, what's that group site that people hang out, uh, meet up or whatever? I, there's some overlap occasionally, like, the, the reality is I don't judge people, like, it's, if, if you throw a cool homebrewing night, I'm not gonna care that's also part of, like, the mead groups are hard enough to find, I've learned not to distinguish, it's like, oh, it's, it, there's a mead night? Okay, that's cool. What's it in? The live action role players. Okay, cool, whatever. Vampire live action role players. Nice. Fuck it, let's go nice. find out how this works. <laughs> You're not dressed as a vampire, brother. I'm just here to talk about mead. I don't really <laughs> want to do the rest of this vampire thing. It's not in the spirit of the event. Try my mead. Oh, that's quite good. Let's talk about that. I can pretend to say thou a lot if you want or something. Make it vampire-ish. But why would they be drinking mead if they're vampires? Someone did make blood. Someone did make some blood red mead. I don't know. I, I think okay. it was more like Vampire Month, and they were like this. They were historical fictional role players or something. And it was like, okay, I guess we're fine. Gotcha. Okay. No, and like uh, my other run and some other stuff have been like I, back when I used to do tech work for um like a bunch of the like goth clubs out here. It because hey, you want to hang out, get a couple free drinks on us or something? Yeah, sure. Fuck it, I'll stay. Couple hours later, I'm gonna leave now. Why? I don't want to be here. It turns out. <laughs> see a lot of dudes wearing nothing but electrical tape tonight, and and I, power to them, but I don't want to see that. Yeah, I don't want to see women dressed in nothing but electrical tape either. So it's not a, it's the electrical tape that bugs me. That can't be painful. That can't be like comfortable. A and it has to be fucking painful to get off. I think that was the point of it ultimately. But well, it succeeded. I fucking I, hate when I get a little bit of fucking. Electrical tape on me for my chair. It is what it is. I, I don't judge people that do whatever they want. It's more of a, like, eh, not my thing. I'm out. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm not judging. Yeah. I mean, hey, more power to you. As long as it's consensual and you're, you're having a good time and you're happy, you do you. <laughs> That's been my philosophy. Yeah. No, I, it also kind of, it's one of those ones where I typically try and find, I, there's a big difference between D&D groups and, like, D&D groups that meet in the back of, like, a comic shop or something. Uh-huh. I tell you, my group to be a little more serious. Like, it's one of those ones where it's like, that's like, okay, Gerald's giving us the back for two hours. It's like, okay, cool, good for Gerald. But, like, you guys don't play together frequently, and, like, it's constantly new fair. I, I like playing with a group, I guess. Like, it, there's something to be said about having kind of a, a roster of people you play with so you can kind of, like, you can play off them in an effective way. It's like having a gaming group or something. Yeah. It's like a gaming clan. You you have lives, and you talk about you because you go drinking for the sake of drinking and stuff like that. And you yell at Max for bringing Cheetos again, even though everyone said no one likes Cheetos anymore, Max. Gotcha. I'm an adult. I eat pirate booty now. Thank you. <laughs> I fucking had Cheetos last week or two weeks ago on 420. Just some like, I haven't had Cheetos in like 10 years. Let's see if they, let's see if they hold up. These do not hold up. Pirate booty is better. Uh, I, I'm a fan of hot Cheetos, personally. The Hut Cheetos seems to be a thing. If you are not a fan of Hut Cheetos, the texture of Cheetos is grossly inferior to Pirate's Booty. Also, do you like puffy Cheetos or not puffy Cheetos? Not puffy I Cheetos. do not like the crunchy Cheetos. I like the puffy ones. I'm not a puffy. I'm a big fan. Yeah. Like my, I like them puffed. <laughs> but yeah, if we're now talking about Cheetos and Mountain Dew, that means we are off the um, D&D track enough. It's probably time to wrap it up. I think so. Although you did, 
give me some interesting insight. And like I said, once we get that studio up and running, yeah. I, I am looking forward to it. Yep. Get a card table in there or something. Yeah. Come up with a little bad name for our group. And for the love of God, no Sriracha Vodka. Oh, but we have to play the Bloodborne tabletop game at some point. I'll, I will play it, but not with the Sriracha Vodka. Alex, there's only one way to play Bloodborne anymore. And that's with my hands painted red because of the blood drunk. And there's only <laughs> one way to do the blood drunk. <sighs> Our hands are painted red, Alex. Our hands are painted red. For we do not recognize ourselves. We might think we are someone else. And our hands are painted red. Well, I'm not playing D&D or any uh, Bloodborne Sriracha Vodka board game. I actually want uh, someone to make a D&D, like, true D&D ruled, like, Bloodborne-y thing. That'd be an interesting thing to see. The number of rolls you would have to do just to roll and evade. Well, the card game the kind of has that baked in. Like, it's got, like, evasion oh, okay. concept and stuff. Oh, okay. And there's leveling. Oh, yeah. And a lot of dying, I'm guessing. Yes, actually, yes. Dying is built into the game. That's what I thought. <laughs> it's, uh, not, it's not Bloodborne without dying all the fucking time. I, I don't know if they still do it. There used to be a, um, like, anime con, like a, a nerd con, or a geek con, whatever you want to call them, that had a thing called Ravenloft added every year. And Ravenloft is a fantastic game that's like a DM can just kill characters on a whim, and it's built into the rules of the game. And it's a game that you're supposed to kind of burn, like, potentially you're supposed to burn through lots of characters, kind of building up a narrative. So they would play in a room of like 300 people and the goal of playing it was to just last as long as possible because like the DM was just perpetually killing people off at random for not amusing him. Like it, and they had like a fantastic like intro song to it. They did every year. It was terrible and funny, but it contained the great song to a great lyric of like your character springs to life, then drops down dead. It was cool. There's a couple of videos of it out there. I, it was really fun to watch because, like, after a couple of years, people brought, like, voodoo dolls of the GM to it being like, you will not cut me this round. Someone said cut and me in the same sentence this round. <laughs> I think I'm going to cut someone this round. It was fun. <laughs> it's dumb nerd shit at that point, but it it was really fun to always watch their stuff. I, production values for it were always needlessly higher than they should have been. Uh-huh. But I think that kind of also but, makes it fun is if you really put in that extra... Yes. Uh, it, in kind of a similar vein, check out Harmon Quest. It's on VRV or Verve, whatever the hell you probably pronounce it. Like, it's why I yeah. got Verve in the first place, was to watch mm. Harmon Quest. Yeah, I'll have to check it out for sure. It's cool. I look forward to getting all my studying done on Harmon Quest. Fucking study out, motherfucker. Yeah. A, a word of warning. In the real world, I will not be paying someone to painstakingly animate our D&D adventures. No. That's a thing that happens on Harmon Quest. It can lead to unrealistic expectations of how a D&D game works. But I think that does it for this, which means it's time for us to remind you about our email account because we don't have emails this week to read, but we still want you to send stuff to it. Yes, please. Okay, yeah, well, we're really bad at this now, apparently. Uh, we can be reached well, at I, Wicked... I, I, we can... I thought you wanted to do it first. I don't know, yeah, we... <laughs> We can be reached at wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. Again, that's wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. What's that email, Alex? 
That is uh, wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. Wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. Spell as it sounds, down in the show notes, etc., etc. I don't know if the show notes are showing up right now. We've successfully made the jump to certain things, but yeah. Things are and up. The RSS feed is a mess. I, I thought it was fixed. It is, but still a mess. Ah, okay. All the episodes show up now, but there's other stuff going on. Okay. Yeah, last news I heard was it was, uh, oh, you can see all the episodes again. Yes. I didn't know there was another issue. Yeah, that was other stuff. But yes, we have no emails this week, but if we had some, we would read them and respond to them and cackle and frolic and whatever one does with emails during this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. What, what do we do with emails, Alex? Uh, well, we normally just read them out and we have a good laugh. Unless they're inherently uh, evil, then we just discard them. We have been known to mock the sender mercilessly. Not for their content, but for listening to this podcast. Yeah. I should know. I sent an email in once, and Charlie mocked me for a week. Yeah. <laughs> I did. It was, And now I'm here. Yeah, now you're here. <laughs> Getting mocked as part of the podcast every week. Yeah. And apparently having my death planned with Blizzard cohorts here at home. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That about does it for this week, though, I guess. Um... Anything you want to pimp aside for normal streams and all that, Jazz? Uh, nothing other than my normal stuff. You can find me, uh, maybe online across the board, all social medias. So the Twitter, Instagram, yeah. uh, Facebook, all that jazz there. Um, I do have a 24-hour stream planned right now. And the, the date for that 24-hour stream right now is actually going to be that Memorial Day weekend. Ooh. Uh, so it's going to be the 26th of... Oh, sorry, not the 26th. The, there it is. Yeah, the 26th of May. So it's a few so, weeks after my birthday. Fresh my but... memory. Were you going to eat French toast for 24 hours or just fuck a thing of French toast for 24 hours? I don't remember which one you decide on you're doing for this. Yes. Both. <laughs> Please don't no, do I'm... one after the other to the same <laughs> French toast. I never said which one goes first. <laughs> Ugh. That's an now, image. Now, uh, the French toast is for my birthday, which is, I know, which is actually I, a lot sooner. Yes. I, <laughs> we may have some guests on soon. I wanted to make sure they understand what they were getting on with, with this, with some uh, good old-fashioned, you know, uh, fucking breakfast food humor. Did I move on from goats to breakfast? You can do both. Ah. Your passion knows no, um, I was going to say barnyard or food group, but yeah, it knows no my, food group. Goats are food, technically. Yeah. There are no limits to my passion. You play all of the pyramid. I'm looking at you, grains. I'm never going to look at the food pyramid ever again the same way. Just, nope. Being all there, provocative like fruits and vegetables. Yeah, you on both sides of that dividing line. Mm. <laughs> I'm talking about the old food pyramid, not the new one. That confuses me. There's a new one? Yeah, it's like weird pie chart bullshit. Yeah, see, it's not paid attention. Never Apparently, the old one that was like, you should eat a shit ton of grain, was wrong. <laughs> Duh! Yeah, no, who knew carbs make you fat? Yeah. Oh, now that I've ruined the food pyramid for you, uh, you want to take us out, Alex? Yeah, sure, no problem. And on that note, you the best. <laughs>